is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is about to go. Welcome to the program. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. And uh, well, we got a packed show today. Obviously, we'll start it off talking about the latest from Denver, where the Jets and Avalanche will drop the puck at 8 p.m. tonight. Jets with a nice start to this road trip, 2-0. Looking to see if they can run the table, but a huge test tonight against Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, morning skate just getting wrapped up. We'll get you a few notes from that in just a moment. And if we are able to get Coach Dave Lowry's words before the end of the program, we'll also have that for you. Heading into tonight's 8 o'clock puck drop, the finale of this three-game road trip. But lots going on as well. A busy few days for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Another signing today, but yesterday, the longest-serving member of the Blue and Gold, <clears throat> two-time Grey Cup champion Jake Thomas, signed an extension with the club. He's going to join us in a few minutes. We'll talk to him about uh, the big win in December in Hamilton. Uh, talk to him about 10-plus years with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the decision to come back, as well as what he's up to in the offseason. Really looking forward to that. We'll also have more hockey talk coming up a little later on. Our good friend Tom Gazzola will join us to, uh, you know, hit a number of big topics in the National Hockey League. The latest with the Jets, get his thoughts on the avalanche, as well as the, uh, we'll take the temperature of what's happening in Edmonton right now as the Oilers continue to struggle last night without their captain Connor McDavid and uh, losing a hard-fought game, but still no points in the standings, dropping that 4-2 decision to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's been a little while since we had John Horn on the program. John, longtime favorite guest of ours. Uh, but there's lots to talk about in the tennis world. And that, of course, is uh, this bizarre situation with Novak Djokovic showing up in Australia and being told to get the hell out. <laughs> so we'll get a little update on that and uh, discuss what this means for the tournament for the world number one. Uh, as they get ready to begin the first Grand Slam of the year. As always, to get things going, I want to give a big thank you to all the sponsors that make this show happen, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. Jets a pretty significant underdog tonight over at Cool Bet. We'll hit the lines before the end of the program. But right now, let's get Michael Remus in here to get things going. Remo, what's up? How you doing? I'm feeling good here on a, uh, what is it, Thursday. My days are all messed up with the holidays and, you know, not going outside because it's minus uh, 40. But, um, yeah, doing good. I'm just looking over the uh, waiver wire. Us. The uh, NHL waiver wire comes out around 1 now. Uh, there were some people in chat yesterday thinking about, you know, the Jets maybe getting back Riley Nash. They did not. It was Arizona claimed Riley Nash. So he's found another home. So uh, we're following here our, uh, our ex-Jets. Uh, but yeah, great. We're pumped for this game tonight. Big measuring stick, litmus test. Another litmus test game. What can we? What else can we call it? Uh, I, I'm trying to think of all the other hyperboles people use to describe a game. They're Jets' toughest opponent in a long time. And uh, to be honest, I was shocked to see Colorado so heavily favored. I thought the Jets... Got the coach bump. They're coming on. They're on a three-game win streak. But uh, Colorado, very heavy favorites. 
Everybody Except, saw that goal with the yeah. car score the other day, and they're not doing anything uh, on the other side of the Colorado Avalanche right now. Hey, shout out to our guy, Free Oleg. Bit of a legend in YouTube chats, not just here, but also on certain other shows, a province to the uh, west of us. Oleg dropping into the super chat. Oleg, love you all. Especially love Mr. Michael Remus. Hashtag exclamation mark marvels. Ha! What a great way to start off the program. If you're wondering what our guy Free Oleg is talking about, make sure you join us on tomorrow's program. Towards the end of our Friday show, we always do a fun marble race with some great prizes from our sponsors, including the great people over at Canadian Club Whiskey. So we certainly will do that. And while the original Oleg was banned for his behavior in advance of a marble race, Free Oleg quickly has become one of the uh, favorite contributors in and around these parts. Um, Remo, let's get right to it, though, for tonight's game. And again, we'll try and have more as we, um, you know, as we, we get more reports from Mike McIntyre and the rest of the guys with boots on the ground. But a um, couple individuals were not at the skate this morning. No Paul Stastny, and that's not that surprising. Uh, Stastny has, you know, missed some uh, optionals. I mean, he's got the thousandth game. He's um, he's sort of got the veteran status within that room, and certainly even with the new head coach is fine. Um, but no Jansen Harkins. And what's interesting about Harkins not being in the uh, in the skate is the fact that it's Evgeny Svechnikov who was skating with Dubois and Kyle Connor. Christian Veselinen was in the spot of Shifley and Ehlers. I think Veselinen is a natural maybe placeholder to play with those guys, but certainly presuming Stastny's available, um, he'll be there. But I found Svechnikov being up with Connor Dubois quite interesting. But just I'll finish it off. Reichel still with Kopp and Lowry. In the fourth line, at least in the line rushes, was Dominic Toninato, Cole Perfetti, and CJ Cease. Now, I don't expect Cole Perfetti to be on the left side of that wing. Um, and, you know, presuming that Jansen Harkins is in the lineup and Paul Stastny's in the lineup, I don't think either Perfetti or Cease will be there. What's interesting, though, is Svechnikov up with Connor uh, and Dubois. And I sort of mentioned this yesterday on the program. I know there'd been a lot made of, um, you know, the swap of Wheeler and Svechnikov earlier in the season. That's a long time ago with a different head coach. But I don't know how you could watch that game a couple nights ago against the Arizona Coyotes and see the way Evgeny Svechnikov was playing and not think about the potential of getting him more ice time in a more prominent role. Um, and... We'll see. I mean, whether Harkins is injured, whether he was just taking a little bit of time off, whether he's going back in that spot where he's played the last couple of games, or whether it'll be Evgeny Svechnikov in that mix. And listen, this is not anything to do with Jansen Harkins, because I think Harkins played, especially in Vegas, a huge role in getting his team back in it, scored the first goal when the team was down 2 nothing, and has played well. I don't think Harkins has played himself out of that spot. But as I mentioned yesterday, I mean, I thought that that might have been Svechnikov's best game as a Winnipeg Jet. And it did seem, and I know there was a lot of power play time and whatnot, but the way that they were playing, that entire line was playing, would have been nice to see him a little bit more. He got the helmet, he was the first star of the game, scored a huge goal. Um, and if that's not a knock on the coach's office door saying, hey, move me up, coach, I'm not sure what is. So maybe we will see that. We'll be monitoring that and waiting to see what the coach has to say throughout the afternoon on the program. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this lineup. It could mean a number of things. And um, it is interesting that Svechnikov was put back. We know they had sex success before. Svechnikov scored the goal um, that started it off last game, breaking the ice on Carol Vimelka. 
So, you know, against a uh, more powerful team like Colorado, uh, let's see that lineup. But it, it is interesting that, um, I mean, it's pretty clear from this that, you know, Dubois, Connor, that's the team's number one line. They're going to ride these guys. And, it's, and uh, I think the Shifley Eagles line, as we saw, I mean, maybe taking a bit of a, bit of a backseat uh, to the guys. Not saying they're not an effective line at all, but I mean, Connor, All Star, Dubois, I mean, having, a, I don't know if it's a career year or not, but he's, pretty much like almost doubled his output from last season. So they're going to ride these guys. I'm curious if Perfetti's going to, you know, if they're going to play him, they bother playing him on the fourth line, getting, you know, low minutes. No. I don't, I don't think so. So I would think maybe Veseline, Stasny in for Veseline. And I mean, but we'll wait and see. So, I mean, we can speculate here. To, so I guess, sorry, uh, podcast people listening to, listening to this later. We'll figure this out uh, soon enough. Yeah. That's kind of the, the, uh, of how it works with timing everything like this when especially with the later games with yeah. the later morning skates um and having to get sort of the information on the uh, on the fly i'll say this though um you know i mean certainly if you look at the game score many of the numbers shots and whatnot i mean it, it was very differing opinions on shifley's game uh against arizona you know i certainly saw some people that were sort of on shife in the uh, legal curve um the comments after the game as well as kenny and rennie and I didn't really see that. I mean, I thought he had a pretty, and that line had a pretty strong game. Certainly the analytics would uh, would indicate that as well. Now, again, I'm not one to really make too much out of single game analytics. We could have looked at the analytics from the original Arizona game and seeing a lot of shots and a lot of attempts that didn't really result in anything. Um, but it's important for Stastny to be on that line. I see James Robinson's already knocking Stastny out of the top six right now. I mean, I think the reason why, for the first time, we've really seen a great connection with Ehlers and Shifley and some real production, albeit in a small sample size since Dave Lowry's taken over, is um, Paul Stastny's role on that line. He's been, you know, very, very important. He's been a big addition back to the power play as well. So, um, so I mean, I would assume that Stastny's going to be on that side, assuming that he's playing along with Shifley and Ehlers. And uh, again, no slight on Jansen Harkins, but if Evgeny Svechnikov can bottle up what he had against the Coyotes on the weekend, uh, I would think that he's going to be back in that spot. Now, again, that is all up in the air. We'll see what Dave Lowry has to say a little bit later on, and we'll keep you up to date on that throughout the afternoon. Um, that being said, Doreen, this is a big, big opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets, and it's a very unique spot. I mean, originally... They were playing tonight, and then the plan was to come back to Winnipeg. A uh, you know a couple games on the eighth and tenth, I believe, it was supposed to be the Seattle Kraken's first ever visit to Winnipeg and the Minnesota Wild, and then a trip out to Detroit. Well, those games are not it. Um, uh, oh, and we've got Scott Billick. A little update here uh, right now, as we say, Paul Stastny, a game time decision. Dylan Demello and Jansen Harkins are in COVID protocol. So there you go, folks. That is, um, that's quite interesting. Um, and again, I guess we're going to have to, uh, you know, maybe we'll pay a close attention to what, what Mike and the rest of the guys have because that is a major, major difference. Now, I'll tell you what, if Paul Stastny's not in for the game, um, I mean, to me, you think about the guys that are with the team on the trip. I mean, I don't know how you don't put Cole Perfetti in for this game tonight if, in fact, he's there. Uh, with Dylan DeMello out, they do have the extra defenseman. Uh, it's not Billy Hanel, it's Nate Beaulieu, so you you would assume that he would be in there. Um, and without Jansen Harkins, it's a pretty easy switch to uh, head up to um, 
you know, to move Svechnikov up into that lineup. But based on what we saw this morning with that group that was in those uh, in the in the mix, if Stastny's out, that means I mean maybe Veselinen does get that opportunity. A bit surprising to me. I, I'll be honest. I've been higher on some other players than Veselinen. Uh, but hey, they picked him in the first round for a reason. I think they still have some faith in him and uh, maybe an opportunity up with players like Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers could be huge for Veselinen to really get him going. He had a real strong game. I mean, I thought that entire fourth line, along with Tony Nato and particularly Evgeny Svechnikov, really played well against Arizona. So maybe they're earning some uh, earning some opportunities to uh, to get into the lineup. But um, it, it, you know, if you're missing two forwards, I don't know how in the world that Cole Perfetti doesn't get a chance to play tonight, to be honest, unless this is just, I mean, he, were brought, he was brought out for insurance. This is why you need insurance when players go over, when players end up on the COVID list. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see how things progress over the course of the next hour, hour and a half. Yeah, so there, there you have it. As we were waiting for the news, we got it pretty much right away. That's, you know, minutes ago, uh, Scott Billick reporting uh, about, Stasny, game time, DeMello, Harkins, COVID. But yeah, I think Cole Perfetti, you know, a lot of people asking in chat, well, now if uh, DeMello's out, I mean, where's uh, Hainala? He's with the Moose. So it's bull you time for this game. But, I mean, their, their next game isn't until a week from today. So yeah. you think that they'd be out of protocol then. So, you know, for one game, I agree. I'd see put Perfetti in. I mean, give him a shot with, I mean, Veselainen hasn't exactly impressed this year. Give him a shot with Eilers and Shafley. Why not? I mean, just because they practice these doesn't mean that it's necessarily set in stone. Well, listen, what you're just going to, I mean, like, I, I'll say this. I was where you were beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but frankly, I think that he was very impressive in his game last week and maybe that or last game. And I think that's why maybe he gets the opportunity. Mm-hmm. All that being said, though, I mean, if you're missing two forwards and you have Cole Perfetti on the on the lineup, I don't know how he doesn't get in tonight. But regardless, we'll get to all of that in a minute. And as I did mention that, you know, we've got eight, the game on the 8th and 10th not happening. So this is one game and then a week of practice before another game coming up against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, Remote, you stay on that. Keep uh, us up to date on the latest information. We're going to take a little step away from what is happening with the Winnipeg Jets to welcome in Jake Thomas in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, I do want to give a big shout out. Happy New Year and thanks to the guys over at F Apparel for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, F Apparel is the place for custom suits at very affordable prices for men here in the city of Winnipeg. Winnipeg owned uh, our pal Andrew Andrew Parks doing a great job down there growing that business and you know, when you're seeing those pictures of the Jets kind of sliding in down a Canada Life Center with all their great fits and new looks, more often than not, they're from over at F Apparel. Um, Every guy needs at least one suit that looks great and fits going into 2022. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. Whether if you are having graduation coming up, make sure you get out to F. And if you're having a wedding or part of a wedding party, your wedding parties get 15% off when the group buys their suits from F Apparel. Find out more at fapparel.com or visit them in person down at 190 Smith Street downtown in Winnipeg. Uh, of course, January is here. Many people making some changes or just trying some new things. I know a lot of people annually coming out of the holidays, which sometimes can be a little boozy, like to get off the sauce for the month. If you are... Uh, Doing a sober January, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market can certainly help you out. Uh, whether it's non-alcoholic beers like Sober Carpenter and Neil Brothers or Sobrew Elixirs, Boreal Botanicals and Clever Mocktails, 
Uh, all sorts of great non-alcoholic options are available for you at Vita Health Fresh Market, and many people deciding to uh, maybe give vegan a vegan menu a little bit of a, a chance for the month of January. You're doing vegan veganuary. Um, Check it out, Vita Health. They've got so many plant-based and vegan products like Tofurky, Field Roast, Guardian, The Very Good Butchers, Light Life, Beyond Meat, and more. You can also join Vita's exclusive VIP list. Text Vita VIP to 1-877-630-1970 to receive special offers all year long. Subscribe at any point up until March 31st. And you'll be entered to win a $100 Vita Health gift card. The number again, 1-877-630-1970. Vita Health Fresh Market, now with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And while we're getting healthy for the new year, it all starts with water. And when you're thinking about water for your family or business, the uh, gang over at Culligan has been the experts family owned and doing it for over 65 years here in Winnipeg. And they've got it all. Whether you need a water softener, a filter, a bottled water cooler, a drinking water system for your entire home, they've got you covered. Citywide delivery services as well from our friends at Culligan. And if you're looking for something for your business, they have commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. Uh, give them a call, 204-694-5180. Let the experts at Culligan Water help you out. You can also visit them in person at 1200 Sargent Avenue or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. All right, we'll get back to the Jets in a few minutes with the latest from Denver on the lineup for tonight. But right now, let's talk a little Blue Bomber football and welcome in the longest member of the back-to-back -back Grey Cup champs, Jake Thomas, to the show. Jake, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, I, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, there's multiple congratulations in order. First of all, of course, congratulations to you and your teammates on that Grey Cup championship. And congratulations on inking another deal to come back and stay as the longest serving member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, uh, had a great Christmas and great New Year, and it's just happy to get this deal all wrapped up and get back into training. You know what, as far as the contract goes, we'll sort of start there and then go back to some more football-related questions. Uh, how uh, Was it a pretty easy, uh, easy decision to get done right away, and uh, was it quick? And uh, now, was it a goal of yours to get it done early in the off-season and uh, focus on everything else you've got going on before getting back to camp? Yeah, I think first thing, I just had to make sure my wife would still let me keep playing. So once uh, I got the go-ahead from her, uh, it was pretty simple. How I was that I negotiation? Oh, I think when you win Grey Cups, it's pretty, it's a lot easier. She usually enjoys herself at those uh, celebrations, but uh, it, uh, no, it was pretty easy. I do my own contract. I've done that now probably for the last four or five of them. And uh, so me and Kyle, we have a pretty good uh, understanding how we like to, how he likes to deal with me, I guess. And uh, it was, it was pretty smooth. Did you get to grind them for any uh, extra cheddar after uh, the back-to-back Grey Cups? Not to mention the way you played in the Grey Cup, and we'll get to that as well. Was uh, did, did you really give it to the general manager uh, when uh, you were getting it all done? Uh, I was just happy he called. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Jake, listen, I know Bomber fans, we hear here in the response yesterday on the program, really excited to see you back. Uh, pretty amazing run you've had here in Winnipeg, hasn't it been? Yeah, it's been awesome. I, I think... Uh, you would have told me 
in 2012, uh, my first day of training camp that I would have played, you know, been in the organization 11 seasons, played 10, 10 years, uh, hopefully here coming up, I would have called you probably a liar. I was just trying to make it through the first practice, but, uh, yeah, it's been a great run. I think, especially since the new regimes came in a few, I guess not a few years ago anymore, you know, uh, in 2014, I think they've really changed the culture in the building. It's just a fun place to go play football and go to work. You know, all the guys we have there are just awesome. Well, you know what, speaking of you coming to the team, you know, Remus and I were talking off air about, you know, your run and career, you know, the player that you've turned into and how long you've been a part of it. And I said, you know, good God, you know, he's a Joe Mack signing. Yeah. Then I thought for a minute, Joe Mack didn't even pay attention to any of the Canadians anyway. So I imagine it was probably you and Kyle Walters getting that done right from the get-go. Fill us in on becoming a blue bomber. And uh, was it Joe Mack that was making the call or was Kyle Walters the guy that was sort of saying, hey, we need you here in the peg? I, I think I think back then uh, Joe had final say. Uh, I, I believe I wouldn't know too much, but I believe that's when Kyle. Uh, well, he was a special teams coordinator, running backs coach. And I think he was uh, pretty involved with the Canadian draft back then. I had a previous relationship with Kyle too from uh, a junior Canada, and him and my coach at Acadia, Jeff Cummins. They actually played together in Hamilton. So when I was talking to teams, I felt pretty comfortable, you know, dealing with Winnipeg. Well, and, you know, and Kyle has become, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, the architect of uh, a back-to-back Grey Cup champion. But, you know, for players like you that actually were here during some really, really low times and was here every step of the way as this team kind of came back to um, first respectability, then contender contendership, and then a championship squad. Um, do guys ask you about what the what the old days were like? I mean, do you tell them you have no idea how good you guys have it right now being around here in this organization the way it is at this point? Well, first, I always like to tell guys when we're driving by Polo Park, I always show, well, that's where I played my first year. <laughs> <laughs> and that really outdates me pretty quick. But uh, I think I think so. I was talking to Nick Hallett actually the other day, right right when he was going through his contract stuff and it's funny to think I didn't I don't think I didn't make the playoffs till 2016 so that would have been 12 12 13 14 15 that would have been my fifth year he's played two years and won two great cups I was like just to let you know I don't think this isn't the norm um but uh yeah I think I think guys that have been there you know myself Patty Newfeld Jesse Briggs when guys ask about it just they we let them know that this is something special especially when guys you know are just talking about what other teams are like and you know it's it's always great when other people come in from other teams like Darby this year I'm just coming from Toronto you just when you talk to him he just seems so happy to be in Winnipeg he really loved the way the culture was and just kind of how the whole stadium was set up how great our medical staff was trainers just everyone you know what? Watch. Well, uh, well. Speaking of that, I mean, just from an organizational standpoint, but I mean, you have as good of a view on this as anyone. Being, you know, here when you got here in 2012, you know, a bit of a regime change. Wade Miller coming in, making some pretty significant changes as to taking care of the players, and of course, the hiring of Coach Mike O'Shea. Um, how different is being a member of the Blue Bombers in 2022 than it was in 2012? Yeah. Well, I think uh, you know. I was pretty wet behind the ears um, coming from Acadia. You know, if we had 3,000 people there, that was a packed house. And, you know, if we had 1,000 people there, it was a pretty packed house. So, you know, the facilities even just at the old stadium were huge for me. I was like, this is awesome. But 
You know, you get really introduced to pro football pretty quick. I think Lapo got fired right before the uh, Labor Day. You know, the next year was Garth Butch Butchko got fired. Uh, Tim Burke got fired. Joe Mack got fired. It just, you know, it was kind of for a few years there, especially I remember in 2013, we were 3-15. Re- we, uh, you're kind of always walking on eggshells, you know, Every day was a tryout. That's when we still were in padded pads for practice. I feel like the PR expansion, there there had to be a hundred lockers in the locker room or eighty lockers in the locker room. And you're just meeting new people new day. There just wasn't that continuity. Like every year it was basically fifty percent new guys. So now you can actually really grow great relationships with guys because they do a great job of retaining everyone. So, you know, you're not just so much teammates anymore. You're you're close friends with the guys. Well, I mean that this the connection both within the team and the team within the with the community and with the fans is I mean I said it a number of times over the past few months it's nothing like I've ever seen here in Winnipeg with Winnipeg sports. Um, you know, all that being said, um, Mike O'Shea comes in. The first couple of years under Coach O'Shea were, um, you know, weren't that successful. I mean, you were really sort of starting at the bottom. I mean, there was some improvement, but I mean, there were certainly growing pains. Um, at what point did you really feel like this team turned the corner under the coach? I think the first thing was just, I think you, we got to be very thankful to kind of Wade and Kyle in a way for not making a rash decision. Cause I think he gave, you know, things like this just don't happen overnight. He gave Osh, you know, time to bring in the character guys he wanted to bring in what he believed was winning football. And I think, you know, Right when I think it was 2016, right when they kind of made that quarterback change from Matt Nichols to to Drew Willie, we went on that little bit of a run. And you know, a team that's been struggling like that, all you need is to string a few games together, and it just gets your confidence right back. Like I don't know if there was one moment where like, okay, we're finally good, but you know, I think Matty's first game, we went into Edmonton, which was his former team. We got a big win there, and I think that just really got the ball moving. No, that was, I remember that game very well. I think we were hosting an event down at the Pint downtown for it. And the Bombers were about 10-point underdogs going in. I mean, and, you know, Bomber fans had just sort of been, you know, mentally prepared for the worst to happen over the course of 20 years. And, I mean, it's a complete 180 right now. I mean, and I'm sure you and your teammates are the same way. It's quite clear you guys expect to win every single time you go out on that football field. But, you know, there needs to be some significant things happening before that to get to that point. And, of course, the 2019 season was it. Um, I'll always remember being there in Calgary and, uh, you know, the confetti going up and you were the first guy to get your hands on that Grey Cup. Um, The 2019 season overall, I mean, magical in a lot of ways, but incredible, too, when you think about the way things were finishing up, the injury to Matt Nichols, Zach Calero's playing his first game as a bomber in the last game of the regular season. Um, when you look back at 2019 in your long, illustrious Blue Bomber career, I mean, what stands out about that run all the way to you being uh, the first guy to get your mitts on that Grey Cup 29 years since uh, it had been back in Winnipeg? Yeah, it was very much a peaks and valley season. I can't remember what we started, but right up until Maddie got hurt, Maddie was probably the front runner to win, you know, most outstanding player of the year. Then, you know, then Strevy got some playing time and that was good. Then he got banged up. Then it's crazy to think uh, what that trade with Toronto's turned out to be with Zach Caleros. But uh, I remember talking with Chad Rempel about it because he was like, yeah, I feel like we might make a move and just get it. I feel like it was right under the wire. 
And, uh, you know, Zach just comes in and he just has that calming presence and that, that unbelievable confidence. And, uh, you know, they're very two different seasons this year, 2019 and 2021. Both are very special in their own way. But 2019 to win that last game, I think we had a last week bye. But I think we the last game at home, we beat Calgary on Zach just, I don't know what he's doing. He's running around back there and hits dark to the end zone. I think that really that day we grew a lot of confidence. And, you know, I think for a lot of guys that year, we felt confident all year. We just we just weren't playing up to it the, the way we could have. Then to go into Calgary, who's kind of been everyone's nemesis in the CFL for the last 10 years in the West, just just probably at that point, you know, the model franchise, the hardest franchise to beat, to get that win there, to beat Bo, then to go down to Regina and just that that was a slugfest. The infamous goalpost, uh, you know, it's just just it, it can't be written better than to go back to Calgary and Zach gets to face Hamilton, his former team. It was just it was just like a storybook. Then for myself getting receiving the great cup, I had no idea. At first, I was wondering if people were messing with me. But how did uh, all that come about? I mean, do, what what do you remember about that? I mean, hey, first and foremost, you're hugging your teammates, you win, everyone's coming up there. I mean, how did hey Jake get up here? You're getting the cup first. Yeah, I believe it was uh, a female either that was with the the Grey Cup committee or TSN, like a communications lady. She's like, hey, just uh, come up here. You're going to be one of the six or eight to get the cup. I was like, okay, six or eight. Then I think when I got there, they're like, okay, you're receiving it from Mr. Ambrosi. And I was like, all right, I guess. <laughs> what Would I win a draw on the hat? or? But, uh, yeah, you know, we have so many leaders in that room. It was pretty cool, I guess, to – to be the guy, I, you know, I like to say I single-handedly ended that 29-year drought, but uh, it, uh, no, it, it was a pretty surreal moment, but uh, I, I enjoyed it just as much this year, not being the guy, being actually down on the field, getting to watch everyone with their faces light up as soon as you get the trophy. Well, Either- I- yeah, sorry. I'm just going to say, speaking of this game this year, I mean, um, you know, same opponent, different venue, the stakes are the same. Um, but a very, very different game. I mean, you know, I think back to 2019, it was you know, going into the fourth quarter. I mean, you guys were just dominating them so much on the both sides of the line of scrimmage. I mean, that game seemingly was one far, a very, very different, different story this year with the way you guys had to battle back in that fourth quarter. I mean, all the guys in your team say there was never any doubt. Everyone knew it was all going to happen, but uh, fill us in on uh, what was happening on the sideline and the way you guys were feeling going into the fourth quarter, knowing that you were getting the wind, but facing the biggest test and challenge you had at any point last season. Yeah, I think that's just kind of what we've been working for all year. You know, we do a great job of doing game scenarios like that like there's so much time left in the clock we need so many points so you know our coaching staff puts us in a great position to do game-like scenarios of practice but being in the game I remember because I did the coin toss at halftime and uh, I was just ecstatic that we got the win in the fourth and you know it was such a big moment and I think everyone knew what Zach had done that year right he was the MOP for a reason there's a reason our offense was capable of putting up so many points. So I think as as long as we could weather the storm in the third quarter, we all knew in the fourth quarter we were going to put up some points. And, uh, you know, it worked. I don't think anyone at any point thought it was over. I think at points we knew, okay, we need to get off the field here pretty quick to get the ball back to the offense because they're really starting to move them. But, uh, you know, I, I know I can only speak for myself, but 
I had the utmost confidence that we were going to win that game throughout. Jake Thomas, two-time Grey Cup champion, back with the Bombers next season after signing a contract extension with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Before we go, I've just got to talk about your performance in that game, and I know you're humble uh, and won't say it. And listen, I love Nick Dembski. I thought he had a monster game, a huge touchdown. Andrew Harris was a big part of it. But I got to say, the guys on the line of scrimmage do not get enough love because I thought the sack, the tackles you made, the way that you and your defensive teammates played, but especially you, you could have been, been a great selection for most outstanding Canadian at the Grey Cup. But uh, I know those individual awards don't mean much. The most important thing is you had that important trophy on the plane with you back coming to Winnipeg. Yeah, most definitely. I think we had a ton of great guys, you know, uh, we have a lot of good Canadians, so I could have went to a lot of guys. I'm I'm not too worried about individual accolades. I'm I'm happy for Nick to get it. That was a huge touchdown. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, everyone on that team was only playing for one reason, and that was to to bring that great cup back to Winnipeg, back to Manitoba, and uh, we're just happy we were able to do that. Jake Thomas with us on Winnipeg Sport Talk. Jake, before we finish it up, I saw yesterday you had a very busy day. You signed a new contract and signed a couple deals on houses. Fill us in on what you do away from football and what uh, how busy you are in the off season. Well, I'm in I'm in the office right now, actually. So yeah, during uh, COVID, basically, I think the season got canceled on a Tuesday, Friday. I started job shadowing in real estate. I had lo- wrote the license before um, I actually the 2019 season. But yeah, yesterday uh, got a couple of referrals out there that kind of finally came the cash through. So it was a pretty good day. Got a re- kind of a new deal with the team here that I work with, the Drisdales and Fredericton. They'd be kind of here at Keller Williams. They'd be kind of the, I'd say uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the real estate market out here. You know, one of the one of the upper echelon teams in the area. So I'm very lucky. I get to learn from a lot of experience. Um, I think between the three guys that I work with, they have over. 30 to 35 years of experience. So same as football, you always want to surround yourself with great people and uh, learn from the best. Well, that is a phenomenal. Congratulations on all of the deals that got done yesterday. Uh, you, any vacation plans? You're going to do anything, uh, you know, maybe warmer or is it uh, a matter of just uh, making the most of all the time you've got on uh, your other job and then get ready to kick some more butt and hopefully win a third great cup with the Bombers next season here in the peg. Yeah, I think with the uh, elongated season, kind of an eight vacations got thrown out the window. You know, we're we're pretty much right back into training and right back into this. So I think I'll actually tomorrow's the first day of my uh, real off season program and kind of just messing around in the gym for the last week or so. But uh, time to get back to work tomorrow. Well, hey, listen, uh, I know Bomber fans are hearing tons of congratulations and uh, great to hear that you're back in the chat today on the program. Um, wishing you all the best, Jake. Uh, congratulations again on another great cup. And Winnipeg can't wait to see you and your teammates try and make it three in a row next season. Can't wait to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There he is at Fat Boy Thomas. That's Jake Thomas, the longest serving member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and now a back to back Grey Cup champion. All right, we've got some more news coming out of Denver on the Jets lineup before we get to that. Uh, of course, want to give a shout out to uh, Donnie and the guys at Manitoba Battery. They're busy right now, folks. Uh, this would be the busiest time of the year when it comes to needing batteries. Why? I don't think I need to tell you. The extreme cold warning is all you need to know. Uh, that being said, if you have needs when it comes to battery for any sort of a truck or automobile, don't waste any time and don't waste any money. 
Give Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery a call and they will get you set up. 204-783-8787 is the number. Best prices in town on automotive batteries starting at 89.50 if you see them in store at 1026 Logan Avenue. But if you're stuck, you don't have time to get down there. Don't waste your time spending more money at Costco or the big box stores. Give them a call. They'll get it delivered to you at a small fee. Uh, you won't have to leave the house. You will be good to go with your Manitoba battery delivered to you. Um, find out more, though. ManitobaBattery.com. Everything that they have, it's much more than just automotive batteries. If you're a sledder or a skidooer, you certainly have batteries for the uh, the snow machines that you'll be using this year. Uh, but right now, with minus 30, you need to make sure that that battery is going well, not to mention a great selection of industrial booster cables. Uh, when it comes to powering your vehicle, Manitoba Battery are the guys in town to make it happen. Uh, our friends at Royal Sports just keep it rolling, finishing up that massive Boxing Day sale and now getting ready for the rest of winter. Hockey continues to roll. They are the hockey superstore and have been in Winnipeg for over 35 years. Of course, family owned. And uh, they're also the guys to get to uh, hook up for all your snowboard needs for those of you that want to get to the hill. Uh, in fact, a lot of really neat things. Camping, uh, tons of like the their Yeti section is amazing. And all the things happening over on the skate, snow, and surf side of the building, you certainly want to check out as well. Not to mention Winnipeg Blue Bombers Great Cup merchandise, the best selection of Jets gear in town, customized jerseys, and more. Oh, and your favorite NFL team's getting ready for the playoffs. They've got you covered there as well. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, or follow them on Instagram for the latest merchandise and deals at Royal Sports Pemina. And a uh, happy new year to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Thinking about a new vehicle for the new year? Well, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team, Waverly and McGilvery, Not.ca. And you can also check out everything going on at the Winnipeg Car Lab, which is now open on the Not lot. Custom wraps, striping, tinting, rims, and more. Whatever you need to do to your car, Winnipeg Car Lab has you covered. Why not get in the lab? It's all there, not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. All right, let's get Remus back in here for a second. We are going to head out to Edmonton and bring in Tom Gazzola for a chat about, well, a number of NHL topics. But, uh, Remo, I know we were talking with Jake Thomas about his new deal and a little bit of bomber work, but it sounds like we've got some more clarity on how this Jets lineup is going to look tonight taking on the uh, vaunted Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, great talk with uh, with Jake Thomas. It's kind of funny hearing him talk about coming in uh, at the old stadium, a lot of uh, chatters reminiscing about... Um, uh, comparing the new stadium uh, and the old stadium. I Shout did. out to the Section S crew. I saw there was a few people that were mentioning good old Section S. We'll always have those memories. I've got some good pictures up from uh, mm-hmm. Section S as well as the rum hut. I'll throw it on a, on a slower day on the program. Oh, but we, uh, what's going on we, with the Jets for tonight? We could definitely use those for our uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Instagram. Sports Talk WPG, give us a follow. It's in the description of the video. Uh, check that out, all of our links. But yeah, what we're seeing today, Mike McIntyre, he's he's there. Uh, as we said here, the lines, if you're just joining in, um, I guess Stasny, game time decision, Harkins, DeMello out with COVID. They're assuming that if uh, Stasny does play, he's with either Shifley and Ehlers, Connor Dubois, Svechnikov, Kopp, Lowry, Reichel, Perfetti is in, uh, Toninato and Veselainen. So I guess if Paul Stasny doesn't play, uh, Veselainen practice with Shifley and Ehlers and Cease moves in on the fourth line. So we're all hinging on uh, Paul Stasny 
And Perfetti did practice with the power play, you know, before he went in when they were here. I wonder if he did does get some time, although, you know, the first power play really dominated. I think it was like six minutes to one minute last game. Uh, if they can, you know, they had the puck the whole time. Yeah. I mean, oh, basically, they, Arizona never cleared it. They I mean, literally, they would have a oh. two minute power play. They'd win the puck and they would just have it for 140. I mean, it's. That just sort of happens every now and then when you don't score. I'm not complaining about it. They were, they looked, I thought, as good as the power play has looked. um, Dubois crashing the net. I think that goal was changed to a power play goal yesterday. I I might be wrong. It probably was. Carlo, uh, shout out to Carlo Todaro, who uh, we all know from uh, Jets Twitter, who was tweeting NHL PR, NHL player saved anything with an NHL in it. Now, I'm not sure whether he needs, he's got like a power play point bonus in his fantasy league or something like that, but he was all over. I mean, breaking down, look, the puck is in the net. You can see there's two seconds left on the power play. This is a power play goal. So, uh, hey, you know what? Sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Good work on Carlo and I'm sure the Jets won't mind to have another tick uh, on the good side. I was going to say, I actually had Dubois and DraftKings, so I should, does, I think, no, on FanDuel, I think they have a power play bonus in that. I should check if I got, I was like seventh in that tournament, so. Pro- uh, problem with DFS is there's not a lot of retroactive no, they changes. Don't, they uh, don't do the, retro. The cash is already out of the bank. <laughs> yeah, and we do have uh, the defense pairings. Oh, Mike also has a question about uh, about Ehlers here. I know people are wondering, but uh, the defense pairings, uh, bowl you in with with Stanley, Schmidt, Morrissey, Dylan, Pionk. And here's Mike's update on Nikolai Ehlers that everyone was asking. He was very emotional after scoring that empty netter. Uh, Mike tweets, update on Ehlers. His grandfather, who he is extremely close with, is currently in hospice care. He's been battling cancer for six years. Ehlers had an emotional, long-distance conversation with him just prior to the game against the Coyotes. So, um... There you, there you have it, Nikolai. It was very, uh, very, very unfortunate news for him and his family, and we wish them all the best. Yeah, that was um, that was a scene that I think a lot of people caught at the end of the uh, of the game. Well, Ehlers um, iced the game uh, with the empty netter, um, and then normally, you know, the cameras will whatever, you know, at the end they'll go back to the bench and just have a little shot of the guy that just scored. And I mean, Ehlers was there with his hand, with his head in his hands. And I mean, we've seen guys put their head in their hands before, but it sort of did look like he was crying or, you know, was very emotional at the time. And later there were some players that were sort of consoling him. So it was pretty clear that, you know, there was something more than just scoring an empty netter against the Arizona Coyotes to win a hockey game in the National Hockey League. So, um, and I know Mike had sort of given people an update, said, you know, keep the Ehlers family in your prayers uh, that night. So um, let's see what what it is. So, I guess it sounds like Perfetti is going in. I wouldn't was not expecting when Perfetti got in, it would be on the fourth line. Um, although I will say this, uh, Evgeny Svechnikov, with the way that he played, absolutely deserves to be in that spot where Jansen Harkins is. Uh, and, you know, do you put it a guy that really hasn't played much right into a top line with the Shifley and Ehlers going up against the firepower of the Colorado Avalanche? Or you give it to a guy like Kristen Veselainen? I guess right now it seems like it'll be Veselainen. Uh, Remo, Remo, I'm gonna we're going to get uh, Tommy Gazzola in. And we're going to talk about a number of NHL topics. In the meantime, though, uh, let me know if you do get Dave Lowry. And uh, we'll certainly play that at some point before the end of the show if, when, if and when it becomes available. Yeah, I'm on it. I'm just loading up, uh, loading up Tom, and uh, yeah, we will hear. And I do wonder. I mean, Perfetti played 
it's not like he has been playing. He played with Team Canada. I guess Veselainen was the, uh, you know, has played most recently. And Huss, we have said for a while, the Jets are a union shop. So, hey, he gets the shot, and we'll see see if he can make the most of this big opportunity playing with Shafley and Ehlers. Well, um, absolutely. And, and I'll say this, though. I thought Veselainen had one of his best games of the season uh, on that fourth line. I mean, the entire fourth line against Arizona, again, it was against Arizona, but was was great. I mean, Sveshnikov, I think, may have had his best game as a Jet. He was the first star, certainly deserved this opportunity. And I would have maybe given him that opportunity even if Harkins was in the lineup right now. I guess the other thing, and I know Dave Lowry said right now that there's no other COVID concerns for the Winnipeg Jets, um, but at the same time, I'm not sure how realistic it is. Although, and again, this is in the context of Omicron and you know more, most of these, well, pretty much all of the COVID positives in the NHL this year have been more of a, of a nuisance to the team and the players. I mean, we haven't heard of any player with any significant symptoms this this year. Uh, other than, you know, maybe a bit of a sore throat and a runny nose. Um, they're obviously all vaccinated. They're all boosted. Um, so, I mean, we're not expecting any really bad consequences out of this. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you're going to have some players go down with it, having it happen right now with a week off before games, one game, another little bit of some postponed games, probably a lot better off than have it happen in a month when all of a sudden you're playing all of these makeup games that are certainly going to have happen. So uh, we'll get more updates and we'll stay on top of this throughout the afternoon. Eight o'clock puck drop tonight. Oper Fetty in the lineup. No Dylan DeMello, no Jansen Harkins who are in COVID protocol. Nate Beaulieu gets into the lineup as well. And it does look like uh, Evgeny Svechnikov will get a chance to uh, reunite with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who he did have quite a bit of success with early on in the season. All right, let's talk more hockey right now. Welcome in our good friend, Tommy Gazzola from out in E-Town. What's up, handsome Tommy? <laughs> Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. Huh? Uh, glad to be back on the program. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm good. I don't lose games all the time. I don't get, get scored on first in games. So everything's peachy in my world, man. You know what? Um, you had a busy holiday season. Of course, Dusty was going to be headed out to the Spangler, and then that didn't happen. But uh, he took advantage of, uh, you know, the time off. You were doing the shows. You're doing the Oiler postgame shows. The combination of the text line between the morning show and the postgame shows. I mean, you, you, you have you been wearing like full hockey equipment uh, when you go to check the check it lately? I mean, it's been uh, it's been a rough few weeks out there in Edmonton, and um, I'm just talking hockey, nothing to do with the virus and everything else. <laughs> it was uh, interesting, but I mean, us man, covering this team for I think 14 seasons now, you're just used to it. You just know how to roll with the punches. I had a front row seat working for the team for a long time. So it's just like, I've seen it all before. Uh, they just find new ways to to piss off the fan base. And, and here we are. So we just dealt with it again. And you just try to duck, dive, dodge, dip, and duck uh, all of the uh, all of the stuff being thrown your way. So it was, it was a long haul for those couple of weeks. Big Daddy Davos uh, took advantage of the time off and just kept the seat warm for him and Lieutenant Eric and, just roll with the punches, man, and, and it's fun. Never a dull moment over here, that's for sure. Well, and, and and on top of it all, and we'll get to the Oilers and Jets and the NHL, on top of it all, I mean, uh, that was supposed to be the time where, I mean, the entire country was infatuated on the World Junior Hockey Championships. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for a city and province that had done so well hosting bubbled events before, 
I mean, this one, I don't know, again, I mean, I've got a lot of love for a lot of people that I work with at Hockey Canada before, and I know that there's a host organizing committee and there's a, a double IHF. All in all, this is just an unmitigated disaster. I mean, hard yeah. to believe the way it all fell apart so quickly um, and spectacularly. It, it was a gut punch for, obviously, the organizers, Huss. Like you said, I had a chance to work with Hockey Canada on a virtual show that they were putting together. Uh, for the first time and just dealing with them and, and seeing their reactions. That was tough. It was tough. And then the volunteers who genuinely care and wanted to be a part of, you know, a really exciting event that everybody in this country and uh, a lot of people outside of this country have grown to love. And they, they tried everything I saw down at the rink and at our studios at the JW right beside the arena they were doing what they could to, to make this thing go off without a hitch. Listen, the stuff that happened in Red Deer, uh, unfortunate, all of that, uh, tough stories there. And yes, there's going to be finger pointing. There has been. But man, it just poured salt into the wound. And uh, it, was, it, it was tough. And I remember I ran into Bob Nicholson actually on day one, on Boxing Day of the tournament on my way up to the studio and I was, Hey Bob, Merry Christmas. What's going on? Are we getting this thing done? This, this tournament. And he just kind of gave me the, I don't know, man. And, uh, we just said bye to each other and sure enough, the doubt was uh, legit and a it, white it knuckle sucks. ride right from the opening puck it, drop of the, of oh. the entire event. I'll say this though. And I do have a lot of empathy for everyone involved because I know how much work goes into these things. And, Listen, the Omicron variant changed everything. And yeah. uh, I, I mean, we were talking here in Winnipeg about like what happens if the Grey Cup is a week later? Huh. Like, does it even happen? Do right. they play the game? Are there fans there? What happens to it? I mean, it's almost like they just got that in before everything got really crazy. And that was what the 12th of December. I mean, the Grey Cup was played two weeks before the World Junior Hockey Championship started. And everything to say, change so quickly um that being said uh, you know for it's almost like we got a little bit of complacency i mean you know we've been through this for a long time and this isn't yeah. you know on any one individual or one individual organization sort of like you know we've sort of learned to live with it it's just that this changed everything and we're now seeing it in every area of sports just one more in the world juniors i know a lot of there has been a lot of talk about you know replaying this at some point what are you hearing in edmonton about the uh, potential that all is not lost for the athletes that would have been competing for a world championship um are you feeling optimism about maybe a chance for these young men to compete for a gold medal at some point later on the season likely in the summer i'd love to see it i know you know the organizing committee and people here in edmonton would probably be happy to open the doors to the facility again and Unfortunately, and this is just me being pessimistic, Huss, I think it might be wishful thinking. Like, can you actually get all those players back? Do you have fill-in guys? Like, what happens? There's so many question marks, and and I don't know if those could be answered and if they could do it properly. And I'd like to see it happen. I'd like to see them just bring everybody back, have it all here. I know they'd open the doors, obviously, here. But, uh, I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. Um Hopefully something could be done to rectify this because, you know, I think it was who Ray Ferraro or Bob McKenzie, I think it was Ray who said it like this is the epitome of a lot of these players and a lot of these people involved with these teams and or hockey careers, not NHL hockey careers. Uh, and this is it. And uh, to have that taken away is tough. So 
I'm sure, you know, here at Edmonton, they're going to do whatever they can to, to make it feasible for Hockey Canada and the IIHF uh, to happen. But uh, so I haven't heard much outside of that first day or two after where they said, hey, maybe they could do this. Um, I suppose it's on the IIHF to, to see if they can make it happen. And I know they had a bunch of other tournaments that they had canceled too. And obviously we saw the blowback. So, you know, the one thing that I can say about this city, this province, uh, for the most part is when there's a big event like this international and it's involving hockey, whether it's on the men's or women's side, uh, the doors are open and, and, you know, a lot of people go out of their way to make it happen here. So we'll see what happens. I, I have my doubts, but Let's see if uh, they can pull something together here. Well, let's face it. I mean, one of the biggest drivers in all of these things, whether people like it or not, is the almighty dollar. And yep. you mentioned all those other tournaments. All those other tournaments are financed by the World Juniors and the World the the World Hockey Championships. Yep. Um, they need the money from this. I mean, have you heard it all? I mean, for people that had ticket packages, I mean, have they gotten any information on? Oh, hey, you're going to get a refund or hang tight. We're going to see what happens with this event later on in the year. Um, because I mean, I haven't heard an exact number, but I can just tell you from working with hockey can in some of these events, if you go through all of the expenses to put on the event, you get to the starting point on top of paying 80 grand a day to test players. And yep. then all of a sudden it stopped. I mean, somebody's sitting there holding the bag and it is a significant bag with a lot of invoices in it. It is. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I think, you know, my dad actually had tickets to the event, and I believe he was given an option to have a full refund or take half the games, and he ended up taking half the games with his buddies. So that was the only thing I really heard. Um, there's been people who've texted into our station on the show saying, I haven't heard anything from Hockey Canada or, you know, OEG or anybody who I paid for my tickets through. Um, so there's some that have heard some that haven't, or some that probably maybe missed the emails. Listen, a lot of times these emails go to our promotions or junk, uh, inbox. So it's kind of all over the place. And, and again, this is a mess, man. Like I can't imagine how they begin to sort through all of this. Uh, especially when you consider the first part of it was reducing capacity by half due to the restrictions here in Alberta. And they had to do that on the fly pretty quickly. And uh, right before the tournament started to now, you know what, you end the tournament. It was supposed to end yesterday and you ended abruptly. And now all of a sudden you're scrambling to get the money or figure out what to do with the people that didn't get to go to the games that were actually going to the games. Total mess, Huss. And uh, I feel like they're probably still sifting through how to handle this, but hasn't been much word. Honestly, the, for me personally, after that day, where they announced that the tournament was canceled. Uh, maybe a little bit the next day, we heard some rumblings about what could be, but it, it feels like it's just gone radio silent since then. Hey, uh, did the uh, did the Russians ever get out of town? Who Who is more poorly <laughs> behaved in the air, the Quebec influencers and TV stars or the Russian world junior uh, contingent? Well, boy, uh, that's a, that's a toss up, man. But I'll tell you what, two groups of the most obnoxious people in the world. I remember being at the <laughs> world championships in 2012 in Helsinki and the Russians were in the final and we had the Russian media behind us and they were hacking darts and singing songs and chanting, watching the game. And I'm like, this is professional. Like, this is what you're supposed to be doing in, in an international event as press um so yeah when i saw the stuff out of calgary i'm like oh my god like 
yes, ground that flight, get them incarcerated. And, you know, I love New Year's Eve too, but my goodness, you can't celebrate like that. And then, <laughs> and then listen, uh, there's nothing more in this world than I can't stand is, than influencers. Um, I hope that they, <laughs> they have get punished to the full extent because that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of stupid in my lifetime. Yeah, well, when you're getting flamed by the prime minister, you're, uh, your cover's blown. I'll tell yeah. you that much. So we'll see what's <laughs> up. Oh, let's get to the National Hockey League right now. Because, listen, it's a brutal time. Um, I mean, it's just depressing for everyone. You get to this time in early January anyways in this part of the world, and it's cold. And you're getting through day to day. Um, we've been having games canceled. And then on top of it, what's going on in Edmonton um, is misery personified. Uh, our yeah. pal Dustin Nielsen came on this show. I want to say about five weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been after the Jets one nothing loss to Arizona at home when everyone, myself included, was a little freaking out about the where the team was going. And he did the relax everyone, take a chill pill. This is a good team. It's going to be okay. And, and, you know, for a little bit, it did kind of sort of turn around. They got some wins and um, of course, it wasn't good enough that they beat Buffalo and then Paul Maurice didn't resign. But, um, you know, they're coming around right now with their new head coach. I was on Dustin's show this morning. He cited that scenario to me. And I had a hard time talking people in Edmonton off the ledge because, um, man, after that incredible start, it has gone from so good to so bad right now, Tom. And I tuned in for a little bit post-game show to hear what the callers and texters were saying yesterday. Uh, it really does seem like um, something has to happen soon for an Edmonton Oilers team that it, probably by the time they play their next game might be on the outside looking in of the playoff line for a team that a month ago was in first place. I mean, how bad is the situation and where is that panic level right now in Northern Alberta? Yeah, the lust for change is through the roof, especially from the fan base. And Huss, here's the crazy thing is like talking to people around the organization doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Uh, they they want someone else behind the bench. Dave Tippett, we're reminded every post game is, I think, 0-12 in the last games behind the bench for him. He missed the two wins that they had uh, against Columbus and Seattle a few weeks ago in mid-December, and it's been that long since they've had victories, which is crazy. I know the schedule has been nuts as well, but uh, people want uh, a shock to the system, and quite honestly, a shock to the system is probably something this team sorely needs, but I don't think it's coming. I really don't, and you know, last night, the, the loss to Toronto – it was a much better effort, same result. And we saw them get scored on the third shot of the game, an absolutely atrocious goal that Mike Smith kicked into his own net after it hit the back plate on the back wall off a Nylander shot that, I guess, grazed John Tavares. And you're just like, well, here we go again. Like, Huss, 21 of the last 25 games, they've given up the first goal. They've scored the first goal 10 times in 34 games this season. And that's pathetic. Like I said it on the show last night. It's not even laughable. It's not even a joke. It's not even sad anymore. It's pathetic. That's how it's become uh, to this point where we're like, hey, it's okay to score the first goal of the game. You're actually encouraged to do it. You can score as many as you'd like. Try it maybe. And this team just can't find a way, whether it's the defense or, you know, wingers making an absolutely egregious play in their own zone that turns into a 10-bell chance for the opposition that their goalies are hung up to dry on and they allow, or the goalies just let in just an absolutely terrible goal like we witnessed yesterday. Again, 
Nico Koskinen's done it more so than any of the other two goalies, but Stuart Skinner and Mike Smith have done it a bunch of times. Like it has been this team's Achilles heel. And, and I say it on the show. I say, listen, try to score the first goal. It sounds so fundamental, so elementary, so simple, but when you're playing from behind all the time, it takes out your bottom two lines. Uh, it taxes your top guys and you're chasing the game It allows the opposition to play the way they want when they have the lead and assert themselves and make you come 200 feet every single time when you try to get some offense going. And for a while, when things were good, this team was able to overcome it. The power play was clicking, the PK was working, and uh, the goalies, after letting in a bad goal or the first shots of the game, would actually, you know, hold the fort. But that has has stopped happening. The, The PK is awful now it gives up a goal minimum minimum one every game power play is dried up even though it's number one in the league still they don't get any power play opportunities Huss I think they had five or six on their last five game trip like they're not doing it they don't move their feet they're playing reactive instead of proactive so all of these things and then you had a COVID situation you had injuries the back end was decimated for a two-week period like it all snowballed into an absolute nightmare. We're at the point now where we're talking about a team that's gone two, nine and two in its last 13 can barely score goals and people want change and there's no trade out there. It doesn't seem like, and there's no easy solution with the coaching fix. It's, it's a disaster right now. And the only way they get out of it is if they hit the old defibrillator on themselves because they're flatlined. Well, uh, and you know what? They've got some time for medical attention, I guess, because it's a little bit of time before this next game. I guess they play Ottawa on Monday. In yeah. what will... Now, are you guys at 50% right now, or are you at no fans? I think it's still 50%. Nothing's changed since the World Juniors. And, uh, you know, day-to-day here, it's Omicron's doing what it does best, and that's infecting everybody. So 50%. Listen, I'm surprised that that game's even happening. Last night during the game, we find out that they pushed back and postponed the Oilers and Hawks on the 16th, or the 18th, pardon me, because the 16th was supposed to be Oilers-Jets in Winnipeg. And it just feels like every day here, we're finding out they're pushing these games back um, mid-game. All the games games are getting busted out, except for this Ottawa road trip. I know. I guess... Ottawa's missed a bunch of games. They've already got games to make up in February, like so many other teams do. And to take out the Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, and Winnipeg games would make it uh, essentially impossible to reschedule. So, yep. um, you know, we don't have clarity here in Winnipeg yet. Our health orders, I believe, end officially on the 12th. Nothing's changing, yeah. I don't think. Certainly nothing's changing for the good at that point. So if Ottawa's coming here... There's going to be an empty building, which is going to stink. You guys are still at 50%, so maybe there will be some fans in the building for that. But, I mean, Ottawa is going to come through. Other than that, all these other games are off. And I guess we've been talking about, if we want to look for the small, the odd positive that might pop up in our life at some point, with the disappointment of not getting best-on-best NHL players in February, we were looking at this massive chasm in the schedule, wondering what the heck we were going to do. Well, this might end up being the busiest time of the entire season for some of these Canadian teams like the Oilers and Jets because of how many games already need to be made up, never mind the ones that are going to be lost in the next couple of weeks. You're right. I had to kiss my trip to Vegas bye-bye. <laughs> and now I'm looking at, I'm going to go get LASIK, Huss. And now I'm like, I think I'm going to miss some games here because I can't see anything for a day or two. So it's crazy. We've had eight games uh, for the Oilers postponed in the last, I think, week and a half. 
but you're right. Like all of a sudden that, that uh, small gap in the schedule is filling up quickly. Uh, they might have to even push the end of the regular season into May. Uh, if this continues, it's just getting nuts, man. No, there's no doubt about it. Tom Gazzola joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you know, one of the other interesting comparisons between the Winnipeg situation and Edmonton, um, you know, when it comes to the future of the head coach, was the timing of everything. And, and listen, Maurice stepping away aside, however you wanted to think that it went down, I mean, it was on a game day. It was on a, it was a week before Christmas, December 17th. Um, and then the Jets played on the 19th, beat the St. Louis Blues. And I mean, listen, we can call Dave Lowry's first game behind the bench, the Washington game. But I mean, whatever, they get that in. And then games are canceled going into Christmas. Games are canceled coming out of Christmas. And at least right now, if you're looking at the Jets on this road trip now, two games in with wins over Vegas and Arizona, it's pretty obvious that the new head coach ostensibly used that time as like a mini training camp. Um, ran very different practices, worked on some different things, focused on a few very important things like getting to the net. They've, you know, we've seen results from that so far working in. I mean, I have to think that if there is even an inkling that there may be a coaching change around the corner, this Monday game, it has to be do or die. I mean, a home, a home loss to the Ottawa Senators in the state that the Oilers are in, uh, it, it might force the Oilers to do something that they wouldn't be done. And the only reason I say that that might be a time, not only would that be a loss that people would have to sit on for more than a week, is that if you did make a coaching change at that time, at least you'd have a good week of practice like the Jets had coming into this road trip with their new head coach to you know, try and change things up and, you know, and have his team work on a number of things that obviously haven't been going well for the club right now. Logically, that makes the most sense. And it was actually talked about going into ga the game last night that if, if it didn't go well, if they got absolutely destroyed by the Maple Leafs, that that would be the perfect time to say, thanks, Dave Tippett, for your two and a half years. Uh, it's time to move on. And, and there's a few things. Like, you could have that reset, Huss, for that 10 days between the Ottawa game and what's the next game scheduled. It's, it's the Florida Panthers on the 20th now, which is insane. And you could do a mini camp, set the tone, um, give the group, you know, something, some confidence and, and breed some life into the team with someone delivering a new message, a fresh, fresh message behind the bench. But it, here's how things have kind of progressed over the last, let's call it five, six days. The Oilers lose to St. Louis to start the trip. You go, okay, that's the Blues. That's a team that's playing really well. And they went back and forth with them. Then they go into Jersey, cough up the lead with 30 seconds left. Mike Smith had a tough night. Goaltending was optional in that entire game. And you go, that's a game they should have won. And this was their real opportunity with a game in Jersey and then another one the next day on Long Island to pick up a couple of wins and get back on the right track. They lose that game, and you're like, a point out of two against the Devils, that's not acceptable. So I, I started sending some texts to people in the organization saying, what's going on? Is, is the heat cranking up on Dave Tippett? And I was told those conversations at that point were not happening. They go into Long Island the next day. They, they have an okay first period, a really good second period, get the lead again, Huss, lose it in a listless third period, and again, fall in OT. And you're like, you get two out of a possible four points that were must-have points at a very crucial time when the team was reeling, and they don't get it. And I'm starting to think this isn't going in the right direction for Dave Tippett. Then they go in New York. 
play at MSG and had nothing. You know, Dave Tippett talked about them trying hard and had some good moments. You knew when that first they shot. They were so bad in that game. And I mean, we were getting the we were getting the MSG broadcast on TV. Yeah. I'm not sure if you got that out in Edmonton as well. I mean, listening to the MSG announcers and their shock at how bad the Oilers were playing was, I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, if you had no skin in the game watching it, I mean, it's very rare. Do you see? I basically them saying, I can't believe how bad these guys are and the, how bad they're playing with the talent they have. But that's exactly what it was. I mean, it was almost like they were a punchline in that hockey game. It was a listless game for the Oilers. And the MSG crew, they weren't going out of their way to troll the Oilers on that broadcast. They were just pointing out facts about the team. Like, there was nothing that was not true about what the Oilers were doing at that point. And so you have that game, then you have the one yesterday, and you're like, you know, the Heat's got to be cranked up. But, again, this is a team that has a budget. Dave Tippett's done at the end of the season. Um, who would you really bring in? Would you bring in a Mike Babcock? Would he turn things around? Is Claude Julien available? Would he want to deal with this situation? I don't know, man. Like, this is, it's a, it's a mess. It's turned into an absolute tire fire. And I don't know if help's on the way. A win from within might actually be how this team figures it out. And that's why I use the, the defibrillator comment because, um, Man, they got to pull that thing off the wall and hit themselves in the chest with it because that external help might not be coming. Somebody get the paddles and get them ASAP. And mix in a save, too, if you can, hey. uh, while uh, while we're at it. Uh, uh, Tom, good stuff. Hey, listen, we got the uh, Jets and Avalanche coming up tonight. Um, first chance to see Colorado this year for us in Winnipeg. Uh, I think we all saw Kale McCarr's goal earlier this week. Yeah. I mean, absolute magic. Um, what are your thoughts on the abs? They're a weird team because they have played so few games. I mean, even less right now than Winnipeg, who's had all these postponements so far. Um, you know, going in, they were the Stanley Cup favorite, certainly the prohibitive favorite in the central division, and many would say in the West. Um, what do you think about the abs going into 2022 and this team that we're gonna see tonight taking on the Winnipeg Jets? That should be an exciting game. I'll start with that. And then the Makar goal breaking Kirby Doc's ankles on that play. My goodness, uh, beautiful. But the the Avs, to me, Huss, like with Darcy Kemper as their goalie, I don't know if they've solved their problems. Like they have a great set of forwards, they have excellent defense led by Kale McCarr. But you know, you've watched them lose in the last couple of years in the postseason, and it's goaltending. And I know they had injuries in the bubble with the goalies and and all of that, but you know, Philip Grubauer had his best season ever and last year. And I think a lot of it has to do with how good that team is in front of him. And now we're seeing him with a mediocre team in Seattle and there's struggles. Surprise. Um, and then you see Darcy Kemper, who has had some some good years in recent years, but he's no spring chicken. And I don't know if he's the savior either, but this team is just cruising now. And it was weird to watch them earlier in the season because they would lose some games that you're like, why are the Avs losing these games? And uh, now all of a sudden they're starting to, to pick it up and, and hit their stride at the right time of year going into the thick of things. And uh, I think you're in for an exciting game with them and the Jets. The Jets, uh, you know, pulling up their, their socks and uh, bootstraps as well. And let's see what happens. But uh, that should be highly entertaining. I'm looking forward to watching it. And this Avs team is just kicking it into high gear, which is highly entertaining when you have to watch an Oilers team that can't get uh, – out of its own way every night. Hey, uh, before we go, Tom, you mentioned Claude Julien and even Mike Babcock. 
Uh, I couldn't help but notice a few of the waving Paul Maurice gifts flowing up in Dusty's timeline. Uh, how many calls <laughs> or texts do you get to the post-game show mentioning Maurice, the former Jets head coach? A lot. A lot. And uh, I think he'd be welcomed with open arms by the fan base here. But you know what? Haas Lake, you have a way better and bigger finger on the pulse of what's going on in Winnipeg than I would ever have. But it sounds like Maurice isn't even available. As much as he's desired here by the fans, it doesn't even sound like he's an option. So um, they can want him all they want, but it doesn't sound like it's even realistic. Yeah, there's, uh, it, it's it's going to be fascinating to see what happens over these next couple of days. And uh, certainly that game against Ottawa. I mean, usually a early January Monday nighter with the Sens coming in is sort of one of those games at the bottom of the schedule in terms of importance not this year in edmonton right now with what's happening with that club tom great stuff looking forward to doing this again with you real soon here in 2022 you stay warm and uh, be well my friend i love it thanks for having me on Hus. always good to see you happy new year to you and uh, mike and, and everybody watching and listening right on thanks tommy there he is handsome tommy gazola at tom gazola on twitter uh and you can certainly check him in if you want to check in on what's going on and just how bent oiler fans are pop on the app and listen to tom and uh, hernan demand do their thing after oilers games over on tsn 1260 in edmonton all right we've got more information on the winnipeg jets coming up for tonight's game and an interesting tweet from willie jefferson coming out uh, we'll get to that in just a second uh, i do want to thank our friends over at little brown jug for their support of winnipeg sports talk uh it's been so phenomenal to have little brown jug with us they are the leaders in winnipeg craft brewing of course the iconic 1919 brand and now a number of great little brown jug beers available in the winter variety pack and on top of that the brand new five-year anniversary beer the brute ipa it's all available at the tap room down on william avenue and they've extended their free delivery offer as well find out more online at little brown jug on instagram at lbj brewing on twitter or at littlebrownjug.ca, fill out your order and get that delivery wherever you are in the city of Winnipeg of the good stuff from Little Brown Jug. Still waiting to find out what's happening with Canadians' mixed curling entry for the Olympic Games. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of both the Jen Jones team, as well as, you know, mixed hopefuls, Chelsea Carey of Winnipeg, or formerly of Winnipeg, I guess I should say, as well as Colin Hodgson. Um, we'll probably do some more on that situation at some point next week on the program. But of course, Princess Auto, not only sponsoring curling and sponsoring Winnipeg Sports Talk, but the place to go in Winnipeg and really coast to coast for the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can shop at any of the two locations for Princess Auto here in Winnipeg or get going on your ideas 24 7 365 online at princessauto.com with being so cold outside and the bars closing at 10 might be a great day to get that great taste of boston pizza delivered so you don't have to go out tonight whether you're thinking some of those great pasta dishes maybe a boston brute the gourmet pizzas boston's wings or their special game day deals Get it ready for that 8 o'clock puck drop tonight. Call your local Boston Pizza for delivery or pickup or order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. We are going to get uh, John Horn back on the program coming up in a few minutes, Remo. But uh, 
Uh, I know you've been all over the uh, the wire as we've been uh, talking hockey with some friends over the program. What's the latest on this Jets lineup tonight? Full Perfetti in. Um, and it sounds like uh, some more people ending up on the COVID list uh, with the Jets traveling party. Yeah, the Jets officially announcing their uh, COVID roster, COVID-related roster moves during that conversation. Uh, the Jets have placed goalie Arvid Holm. Uh, he was on the taxi squad. Dylan DeMello and Jansen Harkins and video coach Matt Prefontaine in COVID-19 protocol. David Gustafson, you know, since the Gus bus called, got called up, two games, uh, two injuries. Yeah, I think you could even say two periods as well. Uh, just a yeah. rough start with him for the Jets. He's on the injured reserve. Cole Perfetti activated. So Perfetti's going to be in. And I think, Hus, that those guys, I mean, there's going to be trouble for them coming to Canada, right? Because they're in protocol. I don't want to speculate too much, but I think it'll be a while. But the Jets' next game is in the United States. So I think if they were to wait the five days, they'd be able to play if they just hang around for a week. But I know DeMello's got a young family, and that, that would have to be tough Tough if you uh, can't come home and you're stuck in a hotel there in uh, in Denver, but yeah, I mean, listen, it's not an ideal situation, but it mm -hmm. just is what it is right now. I mean, if you're testing positive for COVID today, you're not getting across the border for uh, for a while. Um, and yeah, I mean, you certainly hope the guys hopefully are asymptomatic. I mean, hopefully not really dealing with anything, and it's more a nuisance than any sort of a real health concern. Um, and if that's the case. Um, you know, then maybe they do end up playing in mm -hmm. Detroit or, or at least rejoining the team in Detroit and just coming back with the club after that one game. Because we've been mentioning a very strange schedule with the games on the 8th and 10th scheduled for Winnipeg not happening until later on in the season. The Jets are playing tonight and then have another full week off before a game at Little Caesars Arena in uh, in Detroit next Thursday. Um, before what was supposed to be a back-to-back -back weekend with Ottawa and Edmonton. The Edmonton game is off. The Ottawa game is still on. So Saturday the 15th will be the Jets' next game back action back here in Winnipeg. Um, and still major questions and some interesting rumors around on what may be happening with the games scheduled for the 25th and the 27th in Winnipeg as well. So, um, you know, certainly, first and foremost, you just hope that everyone is feeling okay and not getting hit by this uh, Omicron virus too bad. Um, but, you know, with that, and we said yesterday, I think it was on yesterday's program, unrealistic to think that there isn't going to be opportunity for the likes of Billy Hainalas and Cole Perfetti's going forward because of, never mind injury, just the virus. And, well, it didn't even take 24 hours for the virus to bite the Winnipeg Jets with Dylan DeMello and Jansen Harkins going on to the COVID list. So, Jevgeny Svechnikov moves up. It looks like Kristen Veselainen is going to start there. I know I know. I was saying, does it make sense for Perpetti to go in as the fourth line? Well, listen, they need players right now. He was there as an insurance policy. He's going to be in the lineup tonight. Um, will be interesting to see, though, how Dave Lowry handles the lineup tonight, whether he sticks with Veselainen for the entire game whether you could potentially, uh, you know, have that, of course, is if Paul Stastny's out, he believes the game time decision right now, um, or whether we see Paul Perfetti in on the power play or potentially getting some minutes up in the top six, all that we'll see. But for those of you that have been waiting for number 91 to get into the lineup, he will be in that lineup tonight. Um, remote, we had Jake Thomas on talking about his new deal a few minutes ago. Uh, I saw you mentioning that uh, a certain text from one Willie Jefferson uh, coming up this afternoon. Uh, sounds like uh, the Bombers working on some of their big fish as well. Sounds like it. Uh, Willie Jefferson just put on Twitter at Steeman Willie Beeman is his name.
but here it is. We talking that talk. Hashtag come on down to Winnipeg. Hashtag for the W. Hashtag savage life. I guess that's with a five instead of an S for Willie Jefferson's numbers. So he did tweet earlier in the offseason. What was it? Who's who's going to be the big fish in free agency? <laughs> yeah, something oh, sorry. like that. Yeah, here it is. I wonder what's going to be the big splash in CFL agents, <laughs> free agency. So, but it's not, seemingly negotiations are underway between Willie Jefferson, and the Bombers. That's what we can take from this tweet. When we talking, that talk is him talking with the Bombers, right? Unless with that Winnipeg hashtags, is that <laughs> reading between the lines or am I doing that correctly? Uh, you know what? I listen. I think you were. Uh, I think you were right onto it. I mean, uh, you know, I know Kyle Walters been making yeah. some signings of you know some of the players that we've been talking more over the course of the last little week. But uh, excuse me. No, oh, sorry, you got to sneeze there. You know, he didn't write. I'll as you sneeze and recover there. Uh, he didn't write hashtag. Um, he didn't write hashtag go stamps or hashtag Argos. He wrote hashtag coming down to Winnipeg, not coming down to Calgary. So. Uh, we'll wait and see. I mean, we're talking about the Bombers. Uh, they got a number of free agents. A lot of other teams uh, do as well. And actually, the Edmonton seemed to shore up their quarterback situation. I don't know if you saw this one, Hus. They did sign um, Nick Arbuckle to be their quarterback. And, you know, they had done so much shuffling. I forgot that he was on their team uh, before the end of the season as they moved on from Trevor Harris. But um, Dave Naylor reporting an hour ago uh, they redid Arbuckle's contract. He was originally signed for 22 under the previous GM, Brock Sunderland. Uh, he's getting, what, his same salary, 328000 12000 for housing, but also a $100,000 signing bonus, one-year deal. So Nick Arbuckle, the quarterback for Edmonton, will be seeing them a couple times a year. And they're going through some uh, you know, off-season changes, cleaning house. So the CFL, I, it's going to be trickling out every day, the off-season news. but. Uh, for the Bombers, Jefferson says he's talking that talk and uses a bunch of bomber hashtags. He didn't say coming down to uh, Toronto, right? No, no. He didn't he change his phrase. He said down to Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, certainly, he's a priority signing for the Bombers. And uh, thank you. That was a great save while I had a sneezing fit. Um, the Bombers did make a move today. They signed receiver Blake Jackson. And I'm um, talking to Darren Bombing and a number of people, including Darren Cameron, said this is the guy that was a big, big standout in training camp last year, uh, but was injured. So he's getting another kick at the can here in Winnipeg. And I tweeted out, I checked out his Twitter profile. Um, he's wearing a Slayer t-shirt in his Twitter avatar. So I said, you know what, just the fact that he's wearing the Slayer t-shirt alone moves him up the depth chart in my book. So uh, anyway, shout out to Blake Jackson. Big, uh, well, it could be a big signing. You never know how big these signings are until the season comes up. But lots of work going on right now for Kyle Walters. All right, we'll see whether we can get comments from Dave Lowry before the end of the program, uh, but very much looking forward to this next um, visit with our good friend, John Horn, the first one in 2022. Um, and an absolutely massive international sports and news story continues to develop down under as world number one Novak Djokovic was refused entry into Australia. Essentially, he tweeted out he'd had some sort of medical exception and he was coming to try to win the record 21st Grand Slam. Not so fast for the men. Many people refer to as Novaks. Let's talk about it right now with our guy, John Horn. You can follow him on Twitter, at Sports Horn, covering the world of tennis and much more. John, hey, best of the season. Great to have you back and uh, happy 2022. How are you? 
You hear me this time. We changed sources. We tried something different. Perfect, perfect. Listen, no, you're uh, looking and sounding great and best of uh, the year, too. You know, this is normally a time where everyone is so excited, talking about the first Grand Slam, getting down to Australia, the middle of Australian summer. Um, no one's really talking as much about the tournament other than what might happen to the draw if Novak Djokovic is not allowed to play. Listen, I know most people have heard of this story before, but if you wouldn't mind, let's back up a little bit and give us everything that happened leading up to the sort of stunning news that uh, Djokovic got to Australia and was told to sit in a detaining room and uh, right now is up in the air as to whether he'll be allowed into the country. Yeah, I mean, it's quite the story. Uh, you know, I, it's unfortunate that when we're talking about Novak Djokovic, we're spending a lot of time talking about everything that he's doing off the court. Um, you know, well, I mean, some things on the court too, but there always seems to be some sort of controversy surrounding him. Um, and you know, quite frankly, I think it's really tarnishing his legacy. I mean, this guy could go down as the best tennis player of all time. He's tied for the most Grand Slams ever. He's likely, uh, almost certainly going to beat that. Uh, depending on what happens here, I suppose, with, uh, you know, whether or not he can play in any other tournaments or any other countries at this point. But, um, you know, you expect him to go down as one of the best tennis players of all time, if not the best tennis player of all time when it comes to the numbers. Uh, he's made tons and tons of money. He's won lots of tournaments. Um, you know, he's pretty much done everything in the sport. Um, but really, like, just the trout, the, the things that surround him, uh, especially since COVID's taken place, has really tarnished, I think, his legacy. Um, you know, we had the, the big COVID party that he had, uh, you know, when the vat, when, when COVID first came out, uh, you may remember he had a tournament, uh, it was supposed to be raising money, uh, for vaccine relief. And they were actually offering the vaccines, uh, to people to come into the, uh, come in and watch and to the players. Um, so that seemed like a, maybe a good idea. And then it turned out that, uh, he went out partying with a whole bunch of other players and they were all not social distancing, not masking. And so pretty much contradicting everything they were trying to do at the tournament. Uh, that word got out, pictures got out, video got out. Then he ended up getting COVID. Uh, so that happened. Uh, we've had the incident with the ball woman, uh, which I think was accidental, but it just happened to happen to Djokovic where he was frustrated on court. He does that quite often um, where he loses his temper. And unfortunately the ball hit the ball, uh, the ball uh, the lines person and uh, she ended up getting hurt and he ended up getting thrown out of the tournament. So uh, this, this is the kind of stuff that seems to surround him and some, most of it's his own doing. Uh, but in this case, I mean, this is a really unusual case. I mean, when was the last time somebody of that caliber in sport, uh, you sort of have to go back to something that's really criminal. Um, you know, when you think of the, OG, and this is not to categorize it as the same thing, but when you think of professional athletes who've done something that's criminal uh, or has been in this kind of hot water, um, you know, you think of OJ Simpson, you think of Oscar Pistorius, you think of others. This is not to that extent, but when was the last time a guy who's made that much money is that famous in the world for his sport, one of the most famous sports people in the world, uh, has been denied entry into a country? Like this is not, this is completely different. And uh, I mean, really the timeline of events, it's, it's all very strange. Um, as you know, in Australia, you have to have a met to get into the country. The only way you can get in if you're not double vaccinated is if you have a medical exemption. And you have to prove what your medical exemption is. And that's the only way you can get into the country. So there's a lot of controversy as to what that medical exemption can actually be. Um, some would say that if you say that you had COVID six months ago, then that's your medical exemption to get into the country. 
Others will say there's other terminology that you have to have. It's either you're allergic to, to the COVID vaccine or et cetera, et cetera. So, so I guess what came out was that Djokovic, there was a lot of controversy as to whether or not he was going to play in the Australian Open, would he or wouldn't he? Um, and then we finally found out that he did get a medical exemption. Then the next thing you, you know that uh, Djokovic is sending out a, a picture of him saying, hey, I'm coming, everybody. We're off and going. Hops on a plane, off he goes. Meanwhile, while he's flying in the air, all of Australia just goes wild because they're thinking, why is this guy allowed into the country? He's not vaccinated, obviously. Um, you know, we know people who can't get back home because of the vaccine rules. Uh, it's been very tight there. Uh, as you know, the Australian Open last year, everything was bubbled. People had to do, players had to do 14-day quarantines. Um, so there's really, it's really a hot-button topic because it's been so strict in Australia. So now Djokovic is on the way. Uh, so meanwhile, everybody's up in arms. There's people contradicting everybody. The government's freaking out. The border people are upset. The player, other players are, are laughing because it's so bizarre. Um, so then Djokovic arrives. Uh, he gets to the border and he says, yeah, here's my medical exemption. And then they say, well, no, this isn't going to get it done. So how that happened where he, he got a medical exemption, then he flew all the way there. And Australia is not like five hours away either. This is a long trip for him, uh, for anybody who goes to Australia from wherever you're from. Uh, he gets to Australia. Uh, they tell him, sorry, your medical exemption, this doesn't work. We're not giving you the visa that you need to get into the country. So then they hold him there. And then they then they take his phone, apparently. They take his ID from him. Um, they, they question him. And they put him in this room. And they start saying, well, you know, you, you, you're not going to be able to come in. You're going to have to go back. So he said, well, this is ridiculous. What's going on here? I, I, I got the exemption. So then they had to spend a whole bunch of time questioning him, going back and forth to check and see whether or not he could actually get this exemption to get into the country. Uh, finally, they said, uh, no, you can't. Then everybody thought, well, he was going to get shipped back on the next plane home. But then suddenly uh, some other people intervened. And next thing you know, he's being whisked off to some hotel. It's a quarantine hotel and that he's appealing this um, this the fact that he's going to get kicked out of the country. Now the lawyers are involved, then the father gets involved and starts comparing him to Jesus Christ, and then the mother gets involved and <laughs> in saying that there's, you know, at the hotel he's staying at, there's insects and bad food at this hotel, and he's being mistreated, and this guy's a legend. Then players are starting to get involved because they're being asked, and that's it's becoming that's all anybody's talking about now. It's Novak Djokovic this, Novak Djokovic that. Anyway, the latest is, is that he's at a quarantine hotel. Um, he's not being told to go home yet because his lawyers are appealing this medical exemption, which they're saying he should get. And the government is saying you should not get, um, which is now a contradiction of what was supposedly uh, the reason why he's there in the first place. So that's not happening until Monday. So we're on Thursday. So we've already, we're Friday in Australia. It's going to be another three days. He's going to be around at this hotel. Then on Monday, I guess we're going to find out whether or not he's allowed in the country. So to summarize that in about 10 minutes, uh, <laughs> that's essentially what's been going on. Um, but it's it's certainly unusual, something we've never seen before. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, everybody's up in arms. Everybody's upset. There's contradictions. There's people are freaking out. It's, it's crazy. So uh, I've never really seen anything like it. And, uh, you know, I, it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, if you think about it, the last three things involving COVID in sports. Um, you know, when COVID first hit Indian Wells, I was there first tournament that got canceled with COVID was a tennis tournament. Then, um, you know, last year we had the Australian open, the big bubble thing, 14 days in the hotel 
Nobody had ever heard of anything like that before. And now this year, we've got Djokovic, who can't get into the country, one of the greatest mm-hmm. sportsmen in the world, the top player in tennis. And it's just, it's a gong show. So tennis is on the map. People are talking about tennis, yeah. but unfortunately, it's for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, no doubt. And 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 Djokovic, back to one of your earlier points, I mean, he's such a an interesting dude. I mean, you know, he is... I mean, his brilliance on the court may be unparalleled. I mean, I think he, you know, we talk a lot about Nadal. We talk a lot about Federer. It's sort of been those big three. But, I mean, it certainly does does project that if it wasn't going to be this tournament uh, later on this year, he would be the guy that, you know, would have the Grand Slam record of all time. And you would think he'd be one of the most popular figures of all time. And in some places he is. But so many of these things off the court, John, as you mentioned, including this, maybe the best example of it all, entirely of his own doing yeah well i mean i still i mean in some ways i think uh the one thing i think was a mistake here is the fact that you know he was given this medical exemption at least whether now whether we don't know whether or not he just hoped that he would get through in this or he was officially told yes you get Do this we know exemption. Who even gave it to him i mean there's so many yes men around rich people i mean <laughs> is this some serbian uh homopath homeopathic doctor that said listen what do you need novak and uh, yeah. here's your doctor's note well, I mean, who knows? I mean, we 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 don't really know. But I mean, you have to think that if the guy is going to get on a plane and travel 16 hours, 15 hours from one country to Australia, you know, this is not going from Serbia to London. This is going across the world to Australia. So you'd have to figure that if he was going all that way, he must have been given assurance that he was going to be able to get in with whatever he had. Now, Again, he's a tennis player. I'm sure as many athletes do. And in his case, he's got a manager. He's got a PR person. He's got his coach. He's got his physio. He's got his chef. He's got all that. There are all these people around him. Um, and there are, there's a whole bunch of them that are that are with him as well on this trip. Um, you, you would have to wonder, you know, somebody must have sort of noticed something or found out something before going saying, well, we better go get this double checked out before before we make the trip all the way over there as opposed to him just going all the way over there and then finding out, oh, by the way, you can't come in. Uh, it seems it seems pretty crazy. Like, I'm sure you've seen that TV show. Uh, I think it's called like Border Wars or Border Stories or something. It's done like in, out of Canada and you see them at the, the border, uh, border patrol at each country. There's actually one in Australia, too. And they actually, you know, they, they, they will regularly have people fly in and then they'll say, well, you can't come in. You got to get out right away. And there'll be people who fly to Australia and from Japan or from England or from Canada, and they'll send them right back on the next plane. So imagine like you fly all the way there 16 hours <laughs> and then you got to fly all the way back like five hours later, another 16 hours and don't even get into the country. You don't get to do anything. So please um, tell me there were cameras running when Joe for that show, when Djokovic showed up in Australia, you want to talk about ratings? Uh, <laughs> that would be big time. Well, job. you got to you got to think that there there was some sort of security video going on. So I mean, you know, somehow, some way, somehow, whether it's TMZ or somebody is going to have like cameras that are in this quarantine hotel or in the in the airport who are going to have some pictures of him being questioned. You know, it's coming out. Like it's just a matter of when. Um, but I, I still can't quite get over. You know. Everything joking aside, and and the the situation is obviously dire for a lot of people. Um, so I don't want to sort of put a light on this like it's it's nothing. But I still can't get over the fact that this guy this is this is like this is not you know 
John Isner. This is like Novak Djokovic. This is like the number one player in the world, the best tennis player as we speak. Uh, He's been number one for a number of years, Uh, 20 grand slams, multiple titles, over 150 million in his bank just on court earnings alone. Uh, And this is a guy being held up at the border to not get into the country and being thrown in a quarantine hotel. Like it's just... You know, I, I'm not saying the rules should be different for anybody, uh, just like if it was a criminal situation, like if you you know do the crime, you pay the time, whether you're whoever you are. But it just I can't get that through my head that this guy is being put in like this quarantine hotel, which apparently like they house refugees in who aren't supposed to be in the country. Like this is not like a Hilton or something. This is like the Motel 6 kind of thing. And and uh I, I really look if they made a mistake and and, um, you know, the the exemption that he tried to get wasn't uh, wasn't approved and they made that mistake, then they made that mistake. Um, but there's still some controversy as to whether or not, um, you know, he still should have got into the country because, you know, from what I've heard is that there's about nine other players who are playing in the Australian Open who plan to play there who are in on medical exemptions as well. And there are a couple of other players who've come through on the exact same exemption that Djokovic was trying to get and they got in. So that's where the controversy lies is that is he being made an example of because he's the one who's been very vocal about, you know, possibly we don't even know for sure, but we assume he's not vaccinated. How nervous are those other people that were already in that got in on those medical exemptions? Because I think, you know, for the Australian populace, this wasn't, you know, if, uh, you know, if some guy that, you know, might win a first round match is some through and no one knows who the guy's name is, it's not really mm-hmm. a newsworthy story. But the minute this happened and you described it perfectly, I mean, he, in, 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 you know, in, you know, speaking of self-inflicted kind of dropped this thing. Hey, I've got my medical exemption. I'll see you soon on my way to Australia. <laughs> and that was what lit the fire of the Australian public. I'm, my sister lives there right now. And, kind of checking in i mean people were losing their minds about it because i mean there are still areas of this country that are in strict lockdown right now like they're not screwing around with this thing and they certainly don't like the thought of some guy thinking that oh don't worry i'll take care of it and show up but i mean if i'm one of these other players that got in early um it sort of seems like they're reviewing a few things right now about this and at the end of the day I mean, if there isn't a completely legitimate medical exemption, I don't think those are really easy to get in 2022 in the era of COVID that we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that draw might be short a few more players and not just the world number one. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the biggest thing is, is that, you know, what, you know, I was having a conversation about this with a colleague of mine uh, before a matches that we were doing yesterday. And, you know, we were just talking about, you know, how, Tennis is in a really unique situation compared to other sports. You know, we, we, we compare tennis and formula one as really the two global sports. Now we say what you want about some other sports like golf, but they really have a European tour and there's the PGA tour. The bulk of the PGA tour is played in North America, right? Um, same with the European tour, the it's played in Europe. Tennis and formula one are the two sports where they play globally. It's everywhere. Like tennis starts in Australia, comes back to the States, then it goes over to Europe. Then it comes to the to Canada and to America again. 
And in between that, it's also in South America for some clay court events. Then it goes to Asia. Then it goes back to Europe. And then we do it all again and we go to Australia again. So it's really a global sport. And same with Formula One. They're popping around to different races all across the world, all of different weeks. They're really, those are two, the two really global sports in the entire world are tennis and Formula One. And the problem that everybody has, and again, not saying what Djokovic did is right or is wrong, is that every country, you know, if you've traveled during COVID even, every country and every place has a different stipulation for how they're dealing with this pandemic. You go to, and you're in Canada, there's certain rules. You go to America, there's certain rules. You go to Europe, there's certain rules. You go to Australia, there's certain rules. Even the COVID test rules are different. Like how, how often you get your COVID tests, how many times you get your COVID tests, how the COVID tests are, are given to you. I mean, when I came over to Europe, I had a COVID test and I had a, a COVID uh, swab put in my mouth. I'd never had, I'd have probably 80 tests before that. And I'd never had one in my mouth, but in Europe, that's the rule. You get your COVID test, they put the swab in your throat and different countries have different rules. And it's just the same situation here. Australia says got to be double vaccinated unless you have a medical exemption. Other airlines, you can't get on the plane because of, you know, you have to be double vaccinated. Like if you fly Air Canada, you have to be double vaccinated. But if you go to the States, then it's another different rule. Like you don't have to be double vaccinated to go on a plane. So everybody gets really confused as to what you can and cannot do. And I know a lot of these tennis players, not all of them, because they don't all have the big teams that Djokovic does. But it's kind of confusing to try and figure out exactly what you can and cannot do. I mean, I guess the bottom line is, is that to solve all your problems, just get double vaccinated and have done with it. But there are some players out there, mm. not the entire tour, uh, just like in other sports, you know, Kyrie Irving in basketball, for an example, um, where some players refuse and Aaron Rodgers is another one. Uh, some players refuse to get vaccinated for whatever their reasons are. Um, they, they don't want to get vaccinated. And Djokovic has never said, I'm not getting vaccinated, but he's certainly said he made, he's made out that he's not being vaccinated and he doesn't plan to be vaccinated, but that's his choice to do it. And the problem is, is that now everywhere you go, and everything you do, for the most part, you're now being told you have to be vaccinated. And if you're not, you're kind of screwed. So that's his big problem. And yeah. I don't know how that's going to carry out for the rest of the year for him because, you know, the bulk of the tour is being told you got to be vaccinated to play. And now we're finding out that for Djokovic, it's certainly not as easy as maybe he thought. Maybe he thought he could get through the system. I don't know. You know, Rod Laver, who uh, is one of, if not the most respected voice in the history of Australian tennis, and right up there with the most respected voices in tennis ever, has been very clear that. You know, if this is the case, Jovac, Novak better first and foremost let people know, well, what is this exemption? Why do you have it? Why are you different? And that hasn't come so far. And, and the one thing that I have been thinking, and I mean, it is somewhat funny to think about this. If this somehow gets straightened out by some lawyers popping in and pulling some strings or whatever he's in, have you thought about just how ruthless those Aussie crowds are going to be to Djokovic at the Australian Open and this is very different I mean usually the guys the number one in the world are idolized and put on a pedestal this could be mm -hmm. a complete 180 for this event if he actually is able to pick up a racket and try and compete yeah, I mean, and that's a, that's the the other thing and that's a good point you bring up is that you know Djokovic is not He's not Roger Federer. He's not uh, Rafael Nadal. He's not liked like those other players are. Um, he's had a lot of controversy over his career. Um, and some people will say he tries a little too hard. Some, some people say that he's not genuine. 
Um, you know, in some ways I, I don't, dis- I, I, I disagree with that because I think he does do some good things for the sport of tennis. Uh, he's backing the PTPA. Now, again, there's another controversy thing that's going on. He's trying to set up a, a rival to the players uh, council on tennis tour, but at the same time, he's also trying to make money for players who don't make as much money as the top players. Say him and Vasi Pospisil are sort of the spearheading, uh, spearheading that. So I kind of applaud him for the, for the notion of, you know, that idea, but it's just the way it's gone. They've gone about doing it has not been good. Um, you know, Djokovic got a huge Serbian following in Australia. A lot of them travel to Australia to watch him, but they also have a lot of Serbians who live in Australia, um, who are watching him play. They will be out in unison, just like they were in the ATP cup. However, um, there's going to be a lot of people because of all of this, if he does get in, that are not going to take too kindly of this. And there was actually somebody in one of the matches yesterday holding up a Novak sign and immediately the security was down there taking the sign, trying to take the sign away from them because, you know, they just don't want anything to do with it. Like anything to do with Djokovic, we don't want anything to do with it. And it's too bad because in Australia, out of the four Grand Slams, he's probably the most revered in Australia, more so than Wimbledon's always been kind of a little, you know, not great with him. The U.S. Open has never really embraced him that much. The French Open has been better. Um, but Australia is the one place that's really embraced Djokovic and they really they really like him there. So now that that relationship that he's is almost kind of broken now because either way he gets in the country and plays, people are going to be mad. He doesn't get in the country, doesn't play. He's going to look bad for trying to get into the country and playing. So really it's a lose, lose Mm -hmm. situation for him, no matter what. Um, My question would be, and I don't know anything about how it works, but my question would be, will Djokovic because of this, if he doesn't get in, will he never play in Australia again, just as a point to say, I'm not playing in that country again after the way I was treated. Be interesting to see what happens. I mean, he's one more Grand Slams there than anybody else. Um, and that's probably the best one of the best places he has to break the record. But maybe he never plays there again. And he says, the way you treated me, I couldn't get into your country. Once this is all cleared up in a couple of years, um, I'm not coming in again. It's possible. Well, it's going to be a wild few days with information coming out of uh, out of Australia as to what comes on. Yeah. John, thanks for doing this. Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll hit you up in the next week or two and hopefully talk about actually what will be happening on the court at the Australian Open. But in the meantime, the entire world looks to see what happens with world number one Novak Djokovic. Thanks for doing this today, pal. Yeah, no problem, guys. It's uh, crazy times. Uh, let's hope that uh, everybody gets through all this and. Uh, Let's hope Djokovic gets through this too, because I mean, no matter no matter whether you agree or disagree with what's going on, it's can't be too fun for him being stuck in a place and thrown into a hotel and not knowing what's going on. You know, anytime you've ever been at the border and you've been your bags checked or anything like that, you're always a little, yeah. you know, a Imagine little nervous five or, or what have you. Days of that <laughs> it doesn't sound <laughs> yeah. Very so fun. I mean, uh, it's gonna be tough. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that gets all cleared up. But yeah, it'd be nice to talk about actual tennis on the court at some point and uh, kick off the Australian Open season, which is coming up. Have a great one, John. We'll catch up soon. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. Follow him on Twitter at Sports Horn. That's John Horn, our uh, go-to guy for all things tennis here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, we do have more coming up on the Jets. By the way, shout out to Free Oleg. Oleg has said in the chat with the super chat, go Jets, go. Oleg want Avalanche beaten so bad, make them cry. I don't know if there'll be any crying, but uh, maybe tears of joy amongst people in the chat if the Jets can get this done and run the table on this road trip. We will see. Free Oleg, thank you very much. Hey, uh, and thank you to Nick and Dicky DQ, our friends, Nick and Nicky, unbelievable sponsors of ours and supporters from day one on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations 
in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. The DQ in Niverville, very popular spot out in Niverville. Of course, the DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's, the place to go for all of your ice cream treats. And of course, amazing burgers, fries, chicken fingers, and so much more. Drive through at Niverville and at Northgate. And the St. Anne's location now being run by Nick and Nikki is open year round, including availability on Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. And you can always hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Give them your ideas for a DQ ice cream cake. They'll get it custom made, ready for you to pick up at any of the four locations. Once again, that's the Nick and Nikki DQ group on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Um, still a few Jim Beam, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Back-to-back Grey Cup Championship limited edition glasses available at local liquor marts with a purchase of Jim Beam. And of course, Canadian Club is the official whiskey sponsor of the Blue Bombers. And your boys, WST, will have some more great Canadian club prizes tomorrow on another week-ending edition of WST with the uh, Marble Race with uh, some more hoodies, some more delicious rye. I love rye package and more. Make sure you're with us tomorrow around 2.30 for the Marble Race to make sure you get in. And a big thanks to our friends at Canadian Club for their support. Pop down, get some bonus air miles right now as well at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts with the purchase of Canadian Club. Uh, we'll get to the cool bet lines in just a minute for a busy night in the National Hockey League. But uh, Remus, uh, it's been a busy day for you. Well, I've been uh, talking to a few of our favorite guests. I know you've been all over the wire getting the latest on the Winnipeg Jets and a number of other sports stories. Uh, get back in here and give us a quick update as to what we've missed. But we've been talking about the incredible saga of Novak Djokovic down in Australia. Yeah, there was one update actually from uh, Paul Friesen, who's been all over the Bombers. He had a great conversation earlier this week with DeAndre Alford, who's touring around to a number of NFL teams. But he tweeted out uh, just after two o'clock that in addition to Alford and Desjardins, who we heard about as well, NFL teams have asked the Bombers to work out Kenny Lawler, receiver, uh, defensive back Dietrich Nichols, and lineman Jonathan Kongbo, and that's according to Kyle Walter. So a couple more Bombers um, getting looked at from NFL teams. We'll wait and see. I mean, I, I wonder how different this Bomber team is going to look. Um, you know, they have a lot of the core pieces there. We did talk about Willie Jefferson tweeting out a cryptic message this hour about, what was the, t- the tweet that included? We talk in that talk with four <laughs> exclamation marks. And then a bunch of Winnipeg-related hashtags. So I think that is looking uh, is looking good. So um, interesting, uh, interesting. Oh, and then Joey Pank, who says in chat, Hardrick is back, according to Farhan. So oh yeah, uh, um, let me just check that. Oh yeah, that's three minutes ago. So three minutes ago. I mean, this is really breaking going... news. You know what? Hey, hard get the get the horn. Can we get can, can we get the horn the the goal light or something like that? Because uh, it, you know. When Yoshi Hardrick is back with the Blue Bombers, thank you, thank you. We we need that, and we'll be doing that. We should actually put a list of the most important Bombers for re-signing, and uh, they get the goal horn each and every time. So today it's Yoshi. Hopefully tomorrow or Monday we're talking about Willie. After they've been talking that talk, they can then sign that paper. Um, and I know, of course, Willie is down there. Jackson Jeffcoat is there. So I do have a feeling that uh, Bomber Brass 
are down there trying to ink two of their most important players to extensions and uh, and move on. You got to get those big rocks mm-hmm. in first. And uh, I don't know with uh, if you're familiar with the uh, Stephen Covey and the seven habits of uh, highly effective people, but you got to move those big rocks, the biggest rocks in the Bombers right now when it comes to the offseason. Definitely Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. Um, okay, listen, we do have Dave Lauer. We're going to play that coming up in just a second. If you are popping in the program late, sort of been wild. Jets were on the ice when we started the program. We were noticed that no Dylan DeMello, no Jansen Harkins, no Paul Stastny out for the morning skate today. And a few different looks. Evgeny Sveshnikov was skating with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And Christian Veselainen was up in the spot normally taken by Paul Stastny on the top line. And Cole Perfetti was skating on the fourth line with Dominic Toninato and CJ Cease. We have confirmed that Cole Perfetti will be in. Um, unfortunately, Jansen Harkins, Dylan DeMello, and video coach Matt Prefontaine are all on the COVID list, along with Arvid Holm, who was just added to the team as part of the taxi squad. And it's interesting to note uh, that Arvid Holm comes here, goes on the COVID list. He, of course, is a Moose goaltender. And the Moose have had their own issues when it comes to COVID with their goaltenders as Mikhail Burden has been out on the COVID list and a couple of newcomers have been playing for the Moose as of late. But uh, let's hear what Dave Lowry had to say. Coming out of the morning skate before tonight's 8 p.m. puck drop, here is the latest from the coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Dave Lowry. Paul Scott, can you tell us about those three uh, and their availability for tonight? Uh, Stash will be a game-time decision. Um and the other two two uh, players uh, entered into a uh, protocol. All right, and uh, so the line that you had them tonight, or this morning, sorry, uh, anticipating that again, he goes up to that spot with Pierre Luc and Kyle, and, and uh, if Paul Stadby is able to go, is it then the decision between that would be correct and and we will we will know more this afternoon um but the plan right now is if uh stas does not play that's where vessel line and we'll start the game we'll go next to kelly moore 680 cjob go ahead kelly uh thank you very much uh, dave uh, maybe if you could uh, talk about some of the challenges the Colorado Avalanche provide uh, that maybe uh, you've not come across uh, against the opponents this season or recently. Well, uh, that's a real easy question. Speed, skill. They're on a 9-0 run at home. They're 11-2-1 at home. They're a very good team here. So that, uh, for me, is, is uh, that would sum it up. And you can hear me okay, Dave? Sure can, yep. Okay, yeah, I just wasn't sure about the reaction. Uh, if, in light of maybe some of the lineup adjustments you're going to have to make, then uh, how much will you change from how the team has been playing the last couple of games, or will you even anticipate that and just the people slot in out to get that job done? Well, I think that for us, our mentality is it's next man up. Um, we always talk about injuries. We always say uh, now we have to talk about uh players entering into protocol prevent it uh, presents opportunities and the big thing is is we've got some guys that uh, aren't extremely excited when they're not playing so you know tonight's a really good opportunity for them to come in uh, bring some energy and and uh, some some life into our uh, room we'll go next to scott billick of the winnipeg sun go ahead scott 
Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Um, Dave, is there any worry uh, about anybody else on the roster right now for protocol, or are you waiting any test results before tonight? There's no uh, no concern right now. Like I said, the the group that was on the ice today will be the group that is is going to play with uh, Stas being a game time decision. Fair enough. Um, Nikolai Ehlers had a moment after his goal the other night. Um, obviously, uh, I, I believe it's a death in his family. Um, how difficult is that, you know, as a player to kind of play with that, kind of on your mind and. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever dealt with that, but just as a coach, kind of even seeing that. Well, obviously that's uh, tough. Um, you know, dealing with these situations and and their their uh, life matters, right? And and uh, what you, you what you try and do is you try and support the player the best that you can. And obviously it was uh, you know it was a very uh, touching moment for Nick, and and uh, he's very. Very close. And finally, we'll go to Mitchell Clinton of Jets TV. Go ahead, Mitch. Thanks, Tyler. Dave, uh, you mentioned speed and skill with the Colorado Avalanche. Of course, uh, one of the big things for them is their back end and how mobile they are. How does the team forecheck maybe change, or what do you have to do differently as a group against a back end like that? Well, what you have to do is you have to make sure, number one, is that you put pucks into areas that give you a chance to, to get them back. Um, we have to put pucks in that make it tough for them to get back and get the easy exits. And, and we're going to have to force them to have to make plays under pressure. Um, it's about playing above them and not letting them beat you up the ice. And, and you look at the dynamic back end that they have, it, be, it becomes a challenge. But for us, it, it, it'll be about detail and, and uh, managing our game. We'll go next to Marat Tesh of the Athletic. Go ahead, Marat. Thank you. Um, Dave, I'm just curious as to the, I guess, the week's plan for Cole Perfetti, both heading into it and with the possibility of the 50-50 chance of getting in the lineup tonight. It looked like such a nice reward to have him called to the taxi squad and brought with him. And I, I think I personally was expecting that he would play, but obviously there's there's a plan that you guys have in place. And we laid that plan out with Cole before we uh, assigned him to the taxi squad. We wanted him to come in and be around our group. We wanted him to have an opportunity to practice, to, to get used to, used to and comfortable with our pace. Um, he will play tonight, and, and uh, you know that is, for him, it's, it's a great opportunity. He's had some practices. He's, he's comfortable within our group, and, and we look forward to watching him play. All right, there's Dave Lowry, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, with a little bit of an update on the COVID situation with the Winnipeg Jets and, of course, finishing it off with Cole Perfetti getting into the lineup. I mentioned I hit the cool bet lines. I will tell you that there may be a jackhammer starting very shortly. It started coming up while we were listening to Dave Lowry here. Um, Jets all the way up. It was plus 180 earlier in the program. But Jets are now up to plus 200. So if you're feeling good, oh, there it goes again. If you're feeling good about the Jets tonight, you can get them at two to one at Cool Bet Canada. Go to Cool Bet, check out all the odds. Busy night in the National Hockey League tonight. And um, yeah, just what, nine, 10 games. Uh, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. If you've uh, never played before, we'll give you a 100% bonus up to $200. Uh, Remus, we're just going to quickly mute my mic and uh, you can fill us in on what you thought about the coach, Dave Lowry. Okay, there it stopped. Yeah, I have some um, noise suppression on for the stream, so it's muffling it a bit, but it's definitely 
definitely coming through. You never know what can happen uh, with these uh, with these jackhammering that goes on at your building. Well, I'm glad it started show. at around three o'clock and not as opposed to one o'clock. I hey, one more thing on the way out. I do want to give some kudos, and I tweeted this out yesterday to Scott Billick. We talked a little bit about what happened in the post game between uh, Billick and Hellebuck afterwards. Um, if you didn't see that, maybe you saw the program yesterday. You can go back and check out what we had to say about that. That was after we spoke with Murat. Uh, but Scott did put out something last night in the Winnipeg Sun, uh, apologizing for, I guess, the line, you know, talking about the kid and whatnot in it. So, uh, um, you know, we talked about it yesterday. Just wanted to recognize Scott for uh, doing that. Certainly, I think, the right thing to do. And uh, hopefully uh, he, Hellbuck, the Jets all go forward and uh Live happily ever after, but uh, I thought it was uh, important for, um, you know, just to acknowledge that Scott did that. And if you haven't seen it, definitely get to the Winnipeg Sun or just go to Scott's Twitter feed and you can read the piece for yourself. Um, should be a great game tonight. Really looking forward to it. Uh, plus two, a two to one it might be hard not to get a little sprinkle on the Jets, although I don't usually like to do that with the uh, with the team that we're all following. But uh, hey, it worked out with the puck line a couple nights ago. Who knows? Maybe we'll go at it the, this evening. Big show tomorrow, though. We'll talk a ton of Jets. We'll recap the entire road trip. We'll look ahead to a, basically another week of practice before a Thursday game next week against Detroit. Ken Weeb's going to join us. Brandon Rowicki's going to join us. Uh, and hopefully we'll get Hacksaw on to tee up He's the in. final week. Oh, Hacksaw's in. Perfect. Hacksaw getting us ready for that big Chargers-Raiders basically playoff game on Sunday night and the final week in the NFL regular season. And uh, my guy Andy McNamara is going to join us on Monday as well. Uh, we'll have tons of Jets coverage next week, but we will also be following the NFL playoffs. And Monday is always a big day because... That's usually when all the coaches get fired. So Andy Mack will do that. Um, thanks so much to Tommy Gazzola for joining us, to John Horn for joining us. And of course, a big congratulations to Jake Thomas. And thanks to him for joining us at the top of the program. Um, should be a great game tonight and a big show tomorrow. Marble Race, Hacksaw, Brandon Rewicki, Ken Weeb. It's going to be loaded. So hopefully you'll join us then. And if you can't catch it tomorrow, make sure you check it out over the course of the weekend. Podcast listeners, if you can give us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts, we always appreciate it. And for everybody with us live on YouTube, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. Join us every day at one o'clock. And before you leave, please do us a favor and hit that thumbs up button. The likes certainly help us spread the channel. Um, enjoy the game tonight, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down for you. Get ready for a big weekend in sports. And speaking of Ken Weeb, who will join us tomorrow, if you're with us right now on YouTube, why don't you head on over to Kenny and Rennie. They've got their weekly show following Winnipeg Sports Talk. I believe it started already. So uh, go say hi to the guys. Tell them that Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Have a great night. Enjoy the game this evening. And we'll see you tomorrow to wrap up the first week of 2022 right here on WST. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.